guys welcome back to the organic football podcast and here we are guys we are doing our pre-game draft episode we're going to record this on thursday september 3rd a lot of info to kick out to you guys also we have our final thoughts going into the draft and then i think we're going to uh you know have a little intermission maybe an extended intermission while we draft Uh, there will be a lot of weed involved and then we're gonna close it out with some post game on the draft so it's a big episode for us and let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts gotta check in over there rich what's up man tell me how it's going i know this time of year man right before the draft i don't want to say it all comes down to the draft but you can really set yourself up for a nice season if you kill it on draft day bro so how's it going and what are your thoughts my friend yeah glad to be back mark glad to see you guys definitely feeling the pressure we're three days a little less than three days out from our draft i did want to point out that uh, most of the dudes in our our league are playing just one league so there is kind of like a little bit there's a little more anxiety than like you might feel as being someone who owns you know three four different teams whereas like for me you know this is it man this is draft day I, i i run my thing like a franchise so i definitely get to that point where there's a little bit of anxiety i'm a little nervous i'm a little ready to just get it cranking and get it team underneath my books and see how i did you know i agree man anxiety (laughs) it's i got lots of it right now man three (laughs) days i'm just like you know like literally i wake up in the morning i'm like i got a clear-cut plan these are my core and i do recommend you figure out a core three to five guys that you want to build every single week set your lineup be like these guys are going to get me my solid 60 to 80 points you're building blocks bro yeah you're building blocks your foundation but by afternoon, you know, this report that Kamara's holding out or this or that, we'll get into all those things. But all of a sudden, everything changes. And you're like, holy shit, dude, I'm three fucking days away. And I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I've got all this knowledge and everything. So I feel like I'm ready for when things shift and change. But it's just this whole waiting game, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And Rich, you mentioned, listen to some other podcasts, some fantasy podcasts, and They're always talking about, you know, I'm drafting uh, my seven leagues this year, my 10 leagues. I got five shares of DeAndre Hopkins and everything like that. And I'm always thinking to myself, yo, I got one share of Nick Chubb. That's all I got. If Chubb don't do it, dude, I'm fucked, you know, so. (laughs) Five shares, that's what they say? Yeah, the other people who are in so many leagues, they consider it, I'm putting shares into this guy. I put shares into this guy because they have so many leagues going on that they're like, about, you know, 60% of my leagues, I'm going to pick up a Nick Chubb. And then 40% of my leagues, I'll pick up this guy. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) Why? Brad, the way people like a lot of points and they want to play PPR and it's just all about scoring and stuff like that, it kind of filters into that same mentality of just more is better which I don't subscribe to that, but that I think is kind of the mentality. Well, don't get me wrong. I played two leagues before myself. I mean, actually three leagues, I think one year, and that was just dumb. But two leagues, you want to try two leagues. You know, you got a family league and a serious league. I get that. But here's the issue with that. One week, your player that you have in one league, you're going to go against another league. 
So you're like, I want him to score 8.6 to 12.3 points. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's no way to be in any position because you're like, dude, I just want you to score. That's it. You know? So that's why I highly recommend one league. You get to a point where you don't know what to root for sometimes. Right. If you got that much going on and that kind of garbage. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, this is it for me. Full concentration. I have dabbled over the years, you know, got in a league or two, an extra league. But I always just come back to the any given Sunday, man, and full concentration and put everything into it. And it's it's ride or die, man. You know, I mentioned Nick Chubb. and I'm not necessarily prognosticating that I'll get him this year. But just saying, you know. I believe that was foreshadowing. It's just that mentality. Like, you pick your guy and you got one league and it's ride or die bro yeah i mean matthew barry he throws out his ride or die every Mm. year and it's funny though i've always kind of thought that same thing when he says it i'm like well like all my guys are my ride or dies because (laughs) those are the guys i'm putting on my fucking roster that's all i got this is my guys yeah (laughs) oh yeah man all right well that's exciting man draft day is always good shit so We'll definitely uh, have fun with this episode, and uh, I can't wait for the recap, actually. I mean, we'll, we'll make a few predictions, I'm sure, during this half, and we'll see how it all plays out uh, once we draft. So, All right, guys, we're going to get onto these news and notes from every angle, every direction. I mean, since the last time we talked, guys, which... Uh, and to my knowledge, wasn't that long ago, a few days ago. I mean, a few days. Yeah. Now we have Leonard Fournette being released by Jacksonville, Rich, and uh, promptly mm-hmm. turns around and lands in Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa is just loading up on the offensive side of the ball. And it's a little crazy, man. So they add Leonard Fournette to the backfield. Rich, what do you make of that? I think one thing I'll say is it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very mind-boggling backfield now. I, I've got to steer clear is what I'll say personally as an owner. Um, I'm going to be looking at this situation and saying i got to steer clear of this backfield for sure. I do have to give some credit over to Brad. He called it earlier this week when this was going down. He gave me the heads up. He said Tampa Bay. And I said, dude, Tampa Bay? They just signed LaShawn McCoy. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. He said either them or New England. And uh, I think New England lost out on that. I think New England was actually trying to make Mohamed Sanu release i don't know if that was like somehow a position to get him i feel like they got lots of different people they could release besides him but i really felt like that would have been a good fit and tampa there was the guy damian harris he was starting to pique my interest a little bit over a sony michelle in that backfield and he got injured he had a little hand surgery today too so yeah like so many different stories are going on right now they're all just tying into each other intertwining uh but damian harris a guy i was kind of like getting interested in he gets injured and it's like man the Patriots really could use a running back now. So they missed the boat. They could have gotten Leonard Fournette. I think that would have been a deadly combo there. Fournette and Newton. Cam and Leonard. Yeah. That would have been two nice pieces to bring in. I like how you use their first names and I use their last names. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Perspectives. One guy really likes him. He's on a first name basis with them and he's definitely going to draft them. Yeah. Right. Oh, psychology. Oh. There. I like that. When they eat dinner in your kitchen, man, you, you, Referred to them by their first names. We go way back, man. Real quick, I would say I was kind of getting to it with the Tampa Bay situation. I think it's so muddled, man. I think it's really tough. There's a lot of options there. I wonder if really any option is really going to be solid for you week to week this year. I think you can get some good points out of this. There's going to be a lot of points to be had, but what's the week to week option out of all those options? I don't know. So who do you like more, Rich? Do you like Keyshawn Vaughn? <laughs> what do you think about Keyshawn? <laughs> I like Ronald Jones better. 
Well, I mean, just look at it. Now they got four guys back there. I mean, you correction. They'll only have three. LaShawn McCoy, my prediction, will be released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I look at it, Rich. Ronald Jones, I mean, you said it before. They had already brought in two guys to kind of push him. So they already didn't trust him. They signed LaShawn McCoy. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. And now Leonard Fournette's sitting there, and Bruce Arians is like, hell yeah, bring him in here too. So, uh, I mean, fantasy-wise, man, how it's going to shake out, it's completely muddled. I have no idea, man. Fournette could be a bell cow, possibly. I don't know. I think he will be. God, honestly, like. I think it'll take like three, four weeks. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, he, he dude, he's in Florida. It's not that much of a move for him. He probably wanted out of Jacksonville. I think everyone wants out of that fucking place. So he finally, he got cut. He got released. And now he's going to play with Tom fucking Brady. You know, he's just like, dude, what just happened? I just woke up. He's fired up, dude. He's only three years into his playing career. He's a young dude. And when he played, man, he played with fire. He looked like, you know, the replacements, that guy that got out of jail. Yeah. He was that bruiser that no one wanted to fuck with. That (laughs) looked like Leonard Fournette back in the day. So like, if he gets that scary edge, like I want to bruise and beat you. He's the guy. Ronald Jones will be the change of pace guy. And Keyshawn Vaughn will be their project for this year, next year, years to come. I don't like him at $35 value. There's too much to risk. So, you know, if he gets cheaper, he's definitely a huge play. Brad, I think you projected it like perfectly, actually. So if you can get yourself into a situation where you can get Fournette a little bit cheaper, you know, not paying 35, but maybe paying 20, understanding that it's going to be a little struggle out the gate that I would think because, you know, immediately they're saying Ronald Jones is still our starter. (laughs) That tells me, okay, fine. They're going to give him the chance. And then if he does not hit it and he doesn't do everything they're looking for, it's going to be Leonard Fournette's show after that point, they're going to be in a committee right out the gate. And then, if he's not looking good in that committee role, then it's going to become Fournette's show. Now that I've kind of like pieced that together and listened to you run through that, I do like that. But you, you're going to have to know going in, it's going to be a rough tread for a little bit, four weeks or so, before you get, okay, now I have the number one running back here. And I think what you guys, Mark and Rich, you guys both said, when Arians doesn't like you, yeah. he doesn't like you. True. You guys have both kind of made me think that Ronald Jones was trending that way, but then everything in the media is saying that it's not. Yeah. So that kind of tells me that maybe it is trending that way. They just want to make it feel like it's not. And then this beautiful package, Leonard Fournette gets gift wrap with not even a draft pick. Like, yo, you need somebody to run the rock? All right, guys. So moving on, uh, we did kind of mention that uh, – Ryquel Armstead looks like he's going to be the starter in Jacksonville. They also have Chris Thompson there. Not sure what to think. I mean, once upon a time, you know, a guy like Kareem Hunt was a no name and people weren't quite sure what to expect. But I mean, I'm not projecting that or anything for a guy like Armstead. But hey, man, he's a starting running back on an NFL team. So any thoughts, Rich? Is he worth a buck? Um, I would say he's worth a buck because he is going to be a starting running back like we talked about. Even the worst of teams have to go out there and compete, have to put a team out there, have to try to score points. What I've seen of Raquel, I think it's Raquel Armstead. Um, I've seen very little, um, but I have seen a little bit of tape. Look pretty good. So he looks like he can be a pass catcher too. I do know of the existence of Chris Thompson being there. They signed him. I'll tell you that Jay Gruden is the new offensive coordinator there. So that connection is there. So I wouldn't say I was getting anything great out of Raquel Armstead unless he turns into something. So he's worth that dollar because of that, because he will be the starting running back. I would also say Chris Thompson might be worth a buck too. Yeah, no, I agree actually. 
There was a lot of times with him in Washington where I was starting him. He's more of a PPR type back, but honestly, just the shiftiness, he breaks plays. So I think that because they want to put the ball in his hands, you can guarantee yourself about 10 to 12 touches and he can sometimes break some shit off. Yeah, I like that, man. A little bit of disturbing news out of New Orleans, at least for me, because I'm such a huge Alvin Kamara fan. Now there's talk about him holding out. It seems like there's some running backs in the NFL right now that are really trying to push for some contracts before this uh, COVID season kicks off. Running back drama. Yeah, man. I guess Kamara was unexcused for four practices. So it's a contract situation. They might have brought him back at this point. But are they going to get this ironed out, man, and make Kamara happy? I think eventually they'll get him happy. I think I was kind of discussing this a little bit this week. I think that Cooler Heads prevailed. That showed. He showed up to practice following the whole kind of like explosion on Twitter back and forth between the team and his agent. After that, all the dust settled. He came to practice the next day. I do want to forewarn some people that he also got an epidural shot that morning. Not like a major part of the story because it kind of got overshadowed, but doing my research on this stuff, he did get an epidural that morning. So it's something to kind of look at and say, all right, not only is that going on, but that's going on. But at the same time, it sounds like he's okay. It's just a precautionary thing, but with regards to the contract, I think New Orleans will get him settled up. I think eventually before the season, they know this is time to make a championship run. I think Kamara is important to that key cog in the system, and I think they will get his deal done. So I think they'll find a way. I don't know, man. I'm kind of worried. I've seen a lot of teams now after their third year, they don't want to pay him that big money. Like they want to pay him some money, but they don't want to pay him that full-time money. And so with Kamara being injured that last year and, you know, bag of dicks coming in doing so well, I see the Saints just kind of being like, wow, dude, we'll kind of ride bag of dicks for a little bit and just see how that goes. Maybe we'll draft someone next year. Latavius Murray. Yeah, Latavius Murray. All right. So uh, Latavius Murray, you know, we'll run him for a a year or so. Then we'll draft a guy. We'll get him for three years on the cheap, pay our quarterback, pay these other guys. And then when he gets busted up, we'll just trade him, cut him like Jacksonville did, or move on. I think the running back position has been an all-time low for getting paid. So I don't blame these guys for trying to get their money because no one's getting their money. Another interesting little piece of news that I was reading just before we got on. um, It looks like Jadavian Clowney is down to about two teams. Tennessee Titans or New Orleans Saints, unfortunately. But New Orleans Saints. So it sounds like they want to spend some money on the defense there. Man, I don't know. Is that going to frustrate Alvin Kamara coming up in the next couple of days? It might. <laughs> to me, though, like they're offering like, I don't even know what the numbers are. But let's say they're offering $12 million and you want like 16 It's about right. Come on, dude. Just go get like $12 million is a shit ton of money. I get you're not the top paid guy, but if that gets you on a better team and that gets guys coming in, like it's still like a shit ton of money. If they give you like league minimums, like something like Cam got, I could see you getting upset with that. But when they're giving you like that kind of money, like, dude, that's still a good contract, especially if they give you something long term. I think it's interesting. Teams are going to just keep running into this wall with their running backs now, where it's put up or shut up time when it comes to the contract. And you ha- you're going to have to go the route of making a decision. Am I going to focus my money into the running back? I mean, Zeke got his contract. Derrick Henry got a contract. You know, we're looking at these situations and it's like Christian McCaffrey gets his contract. And then some teams are going to decide we're not doing the contracts yet. You know, I mean, it looks like as of now, we don't have a contract for Dalvin Cook. We don't have a contract for Alvin Kamara. Just very interesting to see where is that delineating line for these organizations. Seems like that top three, top four backs are the ones getting paid and everyone else is. That's it. Uh, Real quick, Brad, that Jacksonville post we saw earlier says Adam Rank from the NFL Network. 
It's a tweet. Make sure Bill O'Brien knows he can just claim Leonard Fournette. He doesn't have to give up one of his best players for him. This was on Monday when when he was a free agent. (laughs) That's funny shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll give you a six-round pick for him. What? Bill's like, we'll give you a fourth. Fuck it. I want to secure the player. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Bill, just pick up the phone and put him in on waivers. You can claim him. <laughs> so, you know, I'll give up something. You want our linebackers? What do you want? What do you want? I just signed a linebacker. You could have him. Did you guys see that, too, that Bill O'Brien gave basically $60 million to a linebacker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a linebacker. <laughs> and he has three and a half sacks in three seasons. But they were decided to pay him instead of DeAndre Hopkins. Killer decision making, bro. Dude, he's giving Dan Schneider a run for his money for the worst. Oof. Dan Schneider, yeah, <laughs> he's got his own fucking problems. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, th- this is just colossal bad. I'm so happy Cardinals won in that thing. But wow, man, wow. I will tell you this, Mark. You go through this whole draft and you do not draft Todd Gurley. I feel like we've done our jobs. We want you to stay away. I mean, we know we're competition here, but I still want you to have a nice, respectable team. No, Brad, that's not what we've said. Mark could walk out with Todd Gurley. I just want him to pay an appropriate fee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that's a good lead-in for us. I've heard a report. I've seen some stuff. It sounds like Brian Hill is actually kind of emerging as the real backup right now, kicking ass in camp. If it went to him, if Todd Gurley was going to miss a time, it sounds like it would be Brian Hill. I think we had kind of advised on Ito Smith, but it's, you know, we're always learning. So take in what comes in. We're in training camp. This is the time to learn. So sounds like Brian Hill would be the handcuffed. Yeah, Rich, I did see that uh, Brian Hill might have uh, assumed the top backup role there in Atlanta, so a good call, man. I mean, obviously, Edo Smith may get some time, too, but uh, you know, the bottom line is Gurley's a risk, no doubt. Real quick, Mark, I think that might even key in that creates more risk factor when it comes to Todd Gurley, because if you had a clear-cut backup, at least you could say to yourself, all right, I'm going to pick up this guy. I'll handcuff it. It'll be done with. Whereas now, if it sounds a little more muddled behind and you felt more, you felt confident in Edo Smith for a minute, and now it's kind of shifting on you, now you have to reevaluate and you have to say, okay, do I feel like he's really the strong handcuff or not? You got to evaluate that out. It puts a little more uncertainty into what you're doing if you wanted to go get Todd Gurley. Honestly, like I wouldn't mind Todd Gurley at a certain value. I think he would be a good play. And, you know, a guy who gets 12 touchdowns, He only missed a game last year. There is this fine line you can walk with this Todd Gurley stuff where it's like, man, if it pans out, it pans out really well, but there's just too many risk factors end of the day. Yeah, like you guys said, it's so muddled. I mean, we all thought Ito Smith was the clear handcuff, and now it seems like it's Hill. And then if Todd Gurley doesn't get hurt, he's the guy with the show. So to me, it's just stay away from all of them, man. I mean, I get it. If you get Todd Gurley for 10, 15 bucks, that's a great deal. But I mean, I don't think he's going to go for that. So I think someone's going to pay a little more. So to me, it's just stay away. Unless you want to go get Hill for like a dollar, try and take the handcuff away, which you might not, and just make him your project. That's not a bad play. I think that's a pretty decent play, actually, is to just sit back on the backup and not really invest, but invest just ever so slightly in banking on Todd Gurley going to shit, really. I'd, I'd rather have that end of it than invest a lot of money and then get the injured guy. Yeah, because why invest in two guys? Because you're pretty much assuming one guy is going to go down. So save your Todd Gurley money and just get the handcuff. And if it doesn't go, cut your dollar loss or $2 loss and move on. Yeah, that's not bad. I like that. I'll think about that the next three days or two and a half now. 
<laughs> oh man, that clock is ticking. The draft so close. Tick tock, tick tock, man. <laughs> yeah, the NFC South, man. Uh, just real quick. I mean, we I think that was our longest episode to date. There were just so many, you know, stars and just badass fantasy players that are in the NFC South. And now look at it. Now they got Leonard Fournette in the division. Uh, Camara may or may not be in the mix in New Orleans. I don't know, man. There's so much talent in that division. And I wouldn't be shocked if either the Bucks or the Saints aren't at least in the NFC Championship game because they're they're just loading up in that division from what I can see. I know we get two of those this year, you know, and then possibly three if they meet each other in the playoffs. Like, that's exciting. There's some pretty good little juicy matchups for week one. I just started kind of getting into that because we're going to crank it right out for you and get right into fucking week one prep for you as well, guys. So <laughs> get ready. All right, well, actually, since you said that, Rich, since this is an organic football podcast show, just want to talk about a little organic type prep for these guys. Now, generally speaking, when we're talking offensive players, you want to get on a high-flying offensive pieces on that team. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious what you guys think are like the top three high-flying offenses this year. High-flying. Does that count if they're a run-focused team? Yeah, anyone that's just going to put up fantasy points on the offensive side. Okay. I think we're fairly obvious with two of them. Kansas City. Yeah. Tampa Bay. Oh, okay, yeah. Tampa Bay, I guess maybe three are fairly obvious. I think the top three may be obvious then. Uh, Baltimore. There it is, yes. Those are the top three, I think. Okay. I would say the Saints. I think if we could tear this out, you would say those first three that we discussed are the top three offenses, and they're in their own tier. Okay. I would say Baltimore is the three and could be arguably four, but... You might prefer the Saints? Over Baltimore, yeah. They play in a dome. They're playing in the NFC South. I feel like that. It's always like 35-27, man. They're always putting up points. So Baltimore... AFC, you know, they're just, it's more of a grind, 17-20. But, I mean, you got Lamar Jackson who can, you know, score five touchdowns at will, so. I wonder if you remember that stat I gave you about how the Baltimore Ravens travel about 3,000 miles total the entire season. Oh, yeah, that's true. You did tell me that. And never out of their time zone. Like, actually, they have one trip out, and then that's it. Otherwise, they stay in their own time zone the rest of the year. They don't have to, like, adjust their clock, like, whatsoever. Does anyone really adjust their clocks anymore? Doesn't everyone just like automatic now? My phone just does it for me, I think. Well, I mean, (laughs) you don't have to adjust your personal body clock. That's true. There's a personal body clock. Brad, real quick. Uh, What time is it right now on your personal body clock? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) Personal body clock, I'm going to say about uh, 9.17. Oh, all right. Zach Ertz came out today. We saw a little story. Negotiations between the Eagles and Zach Ertz came to an abrupt halt when Philly made an offer that had less guaranteed money than their offer in November. The backloaded offer also had less cash over the next four seasons annually than Austin Hooper's contract. So sounds like things got a little fucking hairy with the negotiations today. Uh, That looks pretty nasty, actually. (laughs) <laughs> when those details are coming out, like straight out the gate, that's pretty nasty. Yeah, when you hear that they tried to backload it, uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like all that terminology in that report really sounds negative. That'd be a concern for me right now. I mean, to me, it's like the rain's on the wall for him. They're like, listen, we got this young, capable tight end that does mm-hmm. the job. We're not going to fucking pay you all this fucking money. Just so you can be side by side with this guy. He should have taken the deal earlier. And don't get me wrong, when they offered it, he should have taken it. Well, guess what? Times have changed. Silver goes down. Guess what? It's not that same price anymore. He still wants to sell at a higher value, but it's not that value anymore. So he's at the 
take it or walk. And that's kind of where I think it's going to go. Brad, maybe he just wants to be like Silver. He's been at a steady price. Like, Silver hasn't gone down. I mean, it goes down a little bit. It's just been steady. I know. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I think that uh, it's going to basically, his time in Philly is going to end. He's going to walk because he's not going to get the money. And someone out there will take him, and he'll go get his money. But it won't be in Philly. Well, so what do you think of draft status right now? I mean, he's got to be, is he off the books? Like, what, what do we do with this? Oh, he was never really on my books because, like you said, Philly, injuries, there's two tight ends there. So he's 6 to 12 on my list. So I'm not paying a lot for him. So this kind of just drops him down even further. There's a lot of tight ends out there. Everyone knows I like Noah Fant. So even Ian Thomas, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there for cheap you can go get. What about Josh Gordon, man? You got to mention him. We're trying to get him on as a guest, man. Let's do this. <laughs> be so awesome. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fucking dope, dude? <laughs> Our first major real guest is fucking Josh Gordon. Yo. You know, honestly, if there's any guy to come on a show, it'd probably be him. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I mean. He's perfect for us, man. Yeah. Come on the show. Like, don't smoke any weed. <laughs> don't smoke any weed. Dude, he'll get in trouble. He's been suspended five times, man. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should stay the fuck away from our show. <laughs> what if we call him Gosh Jordan and we had him on? Like, had him like a super alias, you know, so no one knows who he is? Gosh Jordan. That's slick. I like that. I know. Incognito, dude. Gosh, give us a call, man. Gosh. Gosh, come on. You got your contract. That's nice. Yeah, he's back in Seattle. Did I read that right? What do you think about that, Mark? Our praise on DK, my coming clean, my love. Do we That muddles up that wide receiver core now? I mean. <laughs> For one thing, I hope you feel cleansed after that, Brad. I do. Finally came clean. <laughs> but no, man. Josh Gordon, I don't really think it muddles it up. I still think DK is going to kill it. I mean. Like I said, he'll go for like 22, somewhere on there. Josh Gordon, I hope for the best for the kid, but, you know, he's he's not a factor, I don't think, really, overall. The guy who's the factor is DK. Oh, I think Ty Lockett, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you want to you wanna dial it back to fucking Doug Baldwin 2.0 now, or what? Yeah. I think Ty Lockett, he'll get his balls, and I think, uh, what's that tight end? Dr- uh, D, Drizzle, Dizzly. Drizzle D? Drizzle D. Drizzle D, yeah. Yeah, Drizzle D, yeah. <laughs> But I think he's going to get his targets, too. So I think that's the core. If anything, he's just going to be like a little flash on the side, kind of, you know, spreading out the defense a little. I don't think he's really going to be like a major play. Flash Gordon. I don't know if Disley's going to be the guy. They got Greg Olson there, man. Uh, D Drizzly's going to sit the bench. Maybe they'll run some two tight end sets. I could see that. Drizzly D, he's not going to have that same kind of year, bro. (laughs) I think he will. I like this nickname. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, Brad, so real quick, uh, talking about these Arizona Cardinals. uh, Looks like they did restructure the contract of DJ Humphreys, their offensive lineman, kind of free up a little bit of cap space and maybe have a premonition on who they're making room for, somebody on the defensive side of the ball, bro? Yeah, well, I mean, they freed up about, I think it's about $7 million. And, I mean, just like McCartney said over at uh, Dallas, you can never have too many pass rushers. So I think they're clearing up this space, and they want Clowney to come to Arizona, man. I mean, he used to play in Seattle. He's got all the deets on them. Coming here, opposite side, like crazy, crazy good pass rushing. Whether he comes here or not, that's kind of up to him. He might think that we're not necessarily a playoff contender. He might want to go to, you know, New Orleans, something like that. But I think they're clearing up the space to at least entice him to come and make it possible. 
whether they sign him or not, I think they're going to actively try and go get him. And I mean, dude, we're an up and coming team, man. I, I mean, no one likes to play in the Valley, which is kind of bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of nice to see D-Hop come here and all these other guys. And then like, come on, man, let's go get a championship. We got young, nice caliber guys that can really make something happen. So come on down, Jamie. The future is bright, bro. I agree. That put us in the running. I, I might be able to get on board with your prediction, your bold prediction you once had. And something tells me that he wants to just say like, Fuck you, Seattle. You know, he really thought he did well there. He's going to get his money, and they didn't give his money, and he's just like, what the fuck? So I think first two picks, like, he can't get the money done. He might come here just to stick it to him. Yeah, and Brad, who is that QB you wanted to mention who always seems to go undervalued in our draft? Drew Brees is, like, your man crush guy. I love that guy. He's, like, the best, best guy. Great for the city. Great character, great football player. And, dude, do you know what the craziest thing was? He got ran out of town when Phillip Rivers got drafted. You know, Phillip Rivers has had this illustrious career. He's now downturning, throwing ducks. You know, it's kind of sad watching him still out there. But, you know, Drew Brees is still playing at the top level. Like, holy fuck, man. If he would have been there in San Diego that whole time, think about how many yards he would have thrown for in that one organization. That shit blows my mind. Yeah, he got that injury back in the day, and they let him walk, dude. And the Saints have been reaping the benefits ever since, bro. He is a great quarterback, man. Solid fantasy player for sure. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. He's gone for the three bucks before in our <laughs> league. It's funny shit, man. Last year, Russell Wilson went for three bucks, and Lamar Jackson yeah. went for two bucks. And Mitch Trubisky went for three bucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> I yeah, Mitch Trubisky. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> I think it kind of swings like that, where there's always these quarterbacks every year. There's a couple few sprinkled quarterbacks who go way under value, just super undervalue. The Drew Brees is that Russell Wilson fact is like really three bucks, man. Lamar Jackson, like whoa, Eesh. yeah. Lamar Jackson was two dollars, twenty-seven points a game for two bucks. What did Pat Mahomes go for last year? 45. Yeah, man, like, holy crap. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was, what, the second or third best quarterback? He had that injury, so that kind of sent him back. Otherwise, he probably would have been higher, but. That's true. I forgot about that. Wait, okay, who are you guys talking about that? Kansas City quarterback? Uh, old what's-his-name? <laughs> Who's this guy? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, dude. Maybe I'll do some research on this guy at some point. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if he crosses my book. Pat Mahomes. Say his name. Say his name. Say my name, bitch. I was just thinking about the draft, and I have fired up for it, but I don't know. I'm a little bummed because this year, man, it was supposed to be our 10 year, right? Our decade of decadence. We were supposed to get lit up there in Vegas. You know, we were talking about the Raiders are up there now this year. Pandemic pumped the brakes on all that shit. So pretty harsh when I started thinking about it, man. Uh, definitely rather instead of a remote draft be hanging out and doing some fun shit you know what i mean i think the world is just trying to tell you mark you you don't need to go out to a big party go get lit (laughs) do all this crazy stuff just stay home (laughs) and smoke some weed yeah it's organic no fossil fuels a little butane burn but that's about (laughs) it save on that gas save all that money the alcohol this that just get stoned and eat some snacks 
There's definitely disappointment in not being able to do things, but we got to be glad for what we do have. Disappointment over certain things. Disappointment. David Montgomery got hurt. I'm disappointed. You know, Miles Sanders takes an injury. I'm disappointed. (laughs) But we still got a football season coming up, so I'm fucking stoked for that, man. Regardless, I'm ready to draft. I'm actually not going to lie. I'm kind of glad we're not doing that party because the last time we all got together, the only time in our 10-year history... I did not make the playoffs. So <laughs> something about when we all get together, I just draft like shit. I'm kind of happy. I can just do it in my little small setting. Our league, which we pay 200 bucks for, we take very seriously. We have a nice trophy. We engrave your name in it. Like, we take this pretty fucking serious. And, like, we're sitting here talking, like, research and what we got to get prepared for and how we do analysts and this. And there's some guys in our league that, you know, they're, they really don't do much. And I'm sure this, like, carries out to other leagues out there. There's some guys that don't prepare and, you know, they'll have great drafts. It's crazy. <laughs> I think most of the guys in our league do have, like, a bare minimum of, like, how much they do check in. And I do think you're right. You'll have a variance in most leagues where you have a level of guys who do check in and a level of guys who don't really check in as much. And then you'll have the guys who, like, are super checked in, like us. I just think it's crazy because, like, I mean, Mark, I think, you know, you're up there with the people that do a lot of research. You take it serious, you know. You evaluate every player, you put a value on them. So that way when draft day comes, but some guys just no real in-depth analysis. And that's kind of crazy to me because like, I've always just taken this so seriously. So yeah, I hear you, man. And it it is kind of funny. I mean, sometimes it works out where some of the least prepared people do have really good drafts. It's fantasy can be mind boggling like that, but I agree, man. I see the value in preparing and, you know, I mean, some guys will kind of cram in at the last couple of days leading up to the draft, try to just cram all the information they can and form a strategy. But our strategy has been forming for the last two and a half months, I would say. So, yeah, we might have a little bit more uh, intricate plans, uh, maybe different ideas, different ways to build the roster, man. That's what it's all about is overall strategy. Are you going to go with and how do you want to build your roster in this 2020 season this COVID season so a lot of decisions to be made in that regard bro and a very helpful hint too for you guys preparing on your draft and you know we talk about your dollar bin guys when it gets down there and let's say you go heavy on two backs or something early and you're down to like you know you're only basically getting dollar guys near the end and you got like six eight spots to fill when it comes down to your time at the end to nominate you're going to be up nominate 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 because no one else has time so you're going to be nominate up to four players back to back to back but get those players ready in your queue so you're not trying to search them out and trying to find them and then you're stuck with players that you don't really want so once it gets down to the nitty-gritty get your queue ready it's very important if there is somebody else involved too where it is going to go back and forth real quick too I'll, I'll have it put up too, where it's like I have both kinds of guys, the guys that I don't want, the guys that I do want. And then it, they're all in that queue. You can easily just shift them and bounce them up and down when you're ready to use them. But yeah, that's important because you don't want to have to do the first shift to get them in place first and then be like, oh, okay, no, this guy, like put them all up in that queue and then navigate it from up there. So it's easy pickings, right? As you go. Yeah. Like when it starts out, you want the people you don't want, because like we said, you want to get those people to spend as much money so when they're, you know, betting against your guy, they don't have as much to bet. So that way you can hopefully save some dollars and get your guys a little bit cheaper on the value. So in the beginning, nominate guys you don't like. And then when it gets down to the end, have your guys that you like ready. That's a good point, man. That uh, cue is clutch, though, because 
it starts going rapid fire at the end of the draft there, and guys are just going for a dollar, two dollars. And if you're not paying close attention, like you said, Brad, you're sitting there searching for a player. Next thing you know, he's gone, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> or you have him in the wrong order up there, too. you got to maintain it. So, like, put him up there the way you want them at that point. Who do I want next? It's got to be in that order up there. And then that may shift depending on what happens around you, but keep shifting that and adjusting that. The Q, what did you say? The Q is clutch. I like that. Q is clutch. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, so speaking of $1 guys, I thought this was a little interesting thought right before draft day. So I was thinking back to the episodes, and I'm not 100% positive, but we are in episode 16 now. And I don't know about you guys, but I think we've talked about just about every NFL player that could be fantasy relevant this year. And just, I mean, it feels like we talked about everybody, man. We covered all the bases. What do you think, Rich? Pretty close, man. I think I think we've digested about every situation and monitored as much as we possibly could and, and kind of just been through the ringer with this stuff. <laughs> it's been a long off season. I'm definitely charged up, fired up for a real season. Just real quick, before we hit draft time, as hard as it is to believe, right, after eight divisional breakdowns and about eight more episodes. You know, we went through the dollar bins, value builds, our rankings. These three guys, I don't think we mentioned their names. We never uttered their names on the podcast, and I think they could have a fantasy value this year. So they're not kickers, actual players. They're not kickers. So three guys. <laughs> Brad, you want to stab in the dark? Dollar guys, most likely. Mikael Hardman? Oh, Brad got a dinger. We got one. That's one of them. We didn't talk Hardman? No, I think we glossed over him, bro. We talked Sammy Watkins, but we didn't talk McCole Hardman? No. I like McCole Hardman for a buck, yeah. Uh, another guy I had on the list, Blake Jarwin, the starting tight end in Big D in that offense. Any thoughts? Dollar? I'm not even going to spend a dollar. I do think he is kind of a little bit talented. I was seeing kind of a report earlier about him, something about like the lack of like belief in his blocking game to be able to like utilize him. And that's important, especially in the run centric offense focused around what Zeke's going to do. Uh, you need a blocking tight end. You, you like to have a guy who can run some rounds. You need to be able to trust in his run blocking. And so they're saying that could affect his, you know, snap count basically. So it'll be out there, but his snap count won't be enough to give them value. I'm not that interested. I mean, I feel like that's more of a waiver move than a dollar pickup. So, Also, like, if I'm interested in Cowboys, I'm more interested in, like, a Dak or a Zeke. Give me a real stellar piece as opposed to, like, those secondary pieces. Run of the mill. Who's your third guy? Who's your, Who else we got? Yeah. Hardman, I think that's a good pickup, by the way, for a dollar. I do like that. <laughs> I agree, man. I can't believe we, we didn't hit him, man. That's, that's a good pickup for a dollar. Yeah. Okay. The last guy behind door number three, guys. Uh... I'll give you a hint. It's a rookie that we didn't talk about. Third round pick, number 81 overall, out of the University of South Carolina. Brian Edwards of the Raiders. So oh. a little bit of hype about this kid. I've seen that some of that stuff, too, that he's he's looking pretty good in camp. He's a big body wide receiver. So there's Henry Ruggs, who they invested in as well. So it kind of... Tyrell Williams, I read that news. He's out for the year. Uh, when I read that, I thought, you know, Henry Ruggs immediately. But then reading those reports, sounds like it's Brian Edwards. But, yeah, definitely someone to look into, man. Forward Dalla. 
For a dollar, yeah. <laughs> so I got my questions, guys, you know, after the revelations last week about DK. You know, did us three dudes, the stony individuals that we are, did we just completely whiff on talking about these guys? Or, you know, or is there a little bit of instance of subterfuge going on over there, guys, in your uh, yellow submarine? Maybe you were trying not to talk about it. No. No. <laughs> I don't think any of these guys are in enough on my roster. No. I have more of an interest in some other pieces surrounding these guys, I think. So I think each of those times I go into these offenses that you discussed, there might be another piece that's a little more shiny. I mean, DK is DK. I mean, that's, that that guy's a beast. That's subterfuge. These guys, I mean, <laughs> they're like, they're your flex two option at best. So where DK, I feel like, is a wide receiver one. So Brad did go into full on subterfuge mode on that one. Like, <laughs> he went all in. Like, I like DK. Yeah, Mark, every time you brought his name up, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Brad went after it every time. He, he like, came after it. I was just like, oh, I'm just not going to say anything. Brad was just like... You know what? Doug Baldwin 2.0. The guy's too big. Dude, if he was playing in the WWE, he'd be great. He's just so big and fast, and nobody can defend him. But really, I just see him as more like a number 30 wide receiver. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Volume, dude. We swore an oath before we started this podcast that we were going to be straight up with each other, man. So, you know. Goonies never die. That's why I had to come clean, man. It just it didn't sit right. And I'll tell you what, man. I've been getting eight hours of sleep now every night. Before, it was like two and a half, three. Two and a half. Like cold sweats, man. It was nasty some nights. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Tossing and turning. Well, you know, <laughs> the draft, guys, and we're about to hit our uh, extended intermission before this draft starts. and. All I got to say is I'm super excited. It's going to be fun to draft and also continue with the podcast and talking about our league and all the uh, crazy shit that goes down. So it should be fun, man. If you are listening, um, uh, go ahead and hit us up with um, some likes or um, subscribe if you could or give us a rating or review. That would be really great. And then, um, you know, hit hit us up. We're going to give you guys a a post-drafter on – on Monday, I believe, uh, we're going to record a little post-draft and give you, get you guys updated. Look for some stuff on the social, too. Um, we'll probably drop some stuff on there, some information, give you guys maybe our rosters that we came out of the draft with, and and you'll see all that stuff on there. So check it out. Hell yeah, man. We appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, to the fans, yeah, like I said, we're going to hit this intermission. We're a little be literally be drafting, and on the other side, we're going to come out and uh, – have the little post-game recap and, you know, just these uh, salary cap style drafts, the auction style, it's just so fast, so furious, man. I mean, I know you guys go in there with a plan and I try to as well, but you're, it's constantly shuffling the deck. That's what I compare it to. Uh, any last thoughts on the draft experience, Brad? Oh, yeah, we, we go in with plans, man, but that doesn't mean it doesn't change at the very first second. <laughs> like, I would say me and Rich go in with multiple plans, so when it does change, we have a plan for that change. Like, we never go in with, like, hey, this is what we're going to get. It's this is what we're going to get in this situation. If I can't get this, this is what I'm going to do with this situation. If I can't do this, then we're going to do this. And if for some reason this guy's available, then fuck it, I'll do this, and then I'll back up with, with these guys. 
So a lot of crazy shit can go down. So there's not just one scenario for anything. Be prepared. Think about everything. I agree. I, I come in with about five to seven plans and they're just kind of like these navigated paths of like certain sets of players that can kind of fit my puzzle. And, you know, it's, it's obvious, you know, there's no way to plan for every player, every nomination, every value, because that's, what's so great about doing an auction. <laughs> if you could plan for everything, I mean, that's almost why I do an auction or I'm sorry, a salary cap. I do a salary cap draft is because of that lack of knowledge of exactly how it's going to go. Whereas, you know, you do a snake draft, it pretty much is just looking at a sheet and saying, I can kind of evaluate what ki- what type of players are going to trickle down to me. I mean, you might have to just, you're just keeping looking at a list and determining who's the best player left. Whereas in an auction, or a salary cap, <laughs> In a salary gap draft, you just have all these all these different factors that are playing out. You got twelve different, in, well, twelve depending on your league, uh, different individuals that are all just playing out. The nominations are all their own thing. Uh, the values are their all their own thing. The bidding process, waiting somebody out. Do I bid somebody up by three bucks instead of one buck? It's all this just stuff you just got to like run through as you're going. So you got to be like fine tuned and ready by the time you get there. Like Rich, it's kind of funny. You make all these good points about, uh, what do you call it? The salary cap draft. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me a while to get used to that one. This guy we work with, Jordan, he was he has his draft on Saturday. And I was like, well, who are you going to pick? You know, What are you going to do? Because they have the, the god-awful snake draft. <laughs> God. He literally said, I don't know where I'm drafting, so I don't know who I'm picking. And then I started thinking about that. Like, You literally don't know where you're going to pick if it's 1 or 12 till the day of. So you could be in the mindset like, I'm going to go and get this guy, but then you pick 12th and none of those guys are there. So literally you just have to rank your guys. And like you said, pick the best player. And yeah, <laughs> that league though is new. So they don't have a, a an established one through 12 set, but most leagues that would do that would have some sort of way to set their one through 12. All right, guys. Well, I think we got to wrap it up. You guys said it is that time. We'll be smoking lots of weed as we draft all the way up until the draft, as we draft after the draft, and we'll be back. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, You know, you guys have been throwing out some bold predictions lately, so I got to throw one more bold prediction in there. I think I'm going to be hoisting this trophy at the end of the year. Come holiday season. Might be mine this year. I get the feeling. Mm -hmm. You can put a COVID asterisk next to my nameplate. I don't give a fuck. It's all good. <laughs> Sarah said he didn't even want it. Yeah. Did you catch that when we interviewed him? He didn't even want it if there was going to be an asterisk. He's like, no. The money's still green at the end of the year, right? That's all I <laughs> Yeah, like I said in that episode, I think we uh, set the rules, and the rules determine a champion. So that's that. Yeah. But, Mark, you're, you're staying with yours, huh? Oh, yeah, man. I'm going to go ahead and call it, you know, and it's a G note for the winner in our league. Don't forget, man, a thousand bucks, a thousand million pesos or however much, man. So that's a nice little lump sum, bro. It's nice, dude. Bring that draft time, Mark. I mean, your Tyler Eifert of the world aren't going to get you no championship. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I think one of the biggest questions of the draft is going to be, does Mark come out with Todd Gurley or not? <laughs> I think he's kind of off Todd Gurley. I think Stefania, when he heard that, I could see in his eyes, he's like, shit, 
You know, I don't believe these two fucking stone fucks, but, you know, she does this for a living. I hope Mark's been listening to us. I don't know. Has he? I know he's going to get Nick Chubb. <laughs> I know that for a fact. That sounds about right. I might just let you have it, Mark. Him and Cream Hunt. I'm not sure I like that backfield situation. Yeah, you didn't like it last year. I can't see it getting any better. I, I wanted to give everybody kind of a little heads up, too. Like, we'll focus in as we get into the season. And we'll give you previews. We'll give you recaps. We'll give you guys, um, you know, I want to give out my waiver orders. So, you know, that'll be a lot of information I'll be giving out personally to my league mates. But um, I'll kind of I'll kind of lay out my waiver guys every week and, and get us through that, too. So I just want to kind of give everybody, everybody a heads up of where we're headed with kind of some of that stuff we should do your like waiver segment that's one of the things i'm kind of keen in on is to find the the new fresh talent i think that's you know one of my key components to every year like i may be good at a draft most years too but um, most years i'm very good at the waivers so i'm looking forward to guiding people a little bit kind of ranking people out week to week he prides himself in that did I say that? No, I did. Right on, man. Yeah, I think we can get you your own segment for that, Rich. A little bit of theme music, some entrance music, and we'll get Rich's uh, waiver gems out there, man. We can do this. I like that, waiver gems. Okay. And then we'll comment, like, we have a waiver gem, and, you know, we make it a collective thing, but it's your thing, you know? CEO of the waivers, bro. <laughs> Ooh, I like that, too. I was seeing CFO. Which do I like? The CEO. Okay, all right. We'll see. All right, guys. Well, yeah, we're going to hit this uh, halfway point of this marathon draft day episode, man, and start hitting it. So what are you guys uh, smoking on? I mean, we got the dabs. We got the vapes. What's what's going down? I got the dabs. He's got the vape. And I'll be doing edibles as well. <laughs> That's my game plan, man. I like the edibles. Uh, just find your right dosage, dude, and boom. Yeah, I thought about doing edibles to kind of like, you know, mellow me out and kind of get me relaxed. But I was like, fuck it, dude. I want to be amped. Ride the wave. I got some of those select elites. The nanos? Yeah, the nanos, bro. That's what it is. Yeah. Those are nice. Those are dope. Yeah, I like those. Even the sour ones are really good. You know, I was just thinking about it, guys. Just imagine we have our draft in Vegas in 2021, right? Where are we going to be as a podcast? I mean, <laughs> as a podcast. Vegas for the draft. At this point, I'm prognosticating the OFP will be sponsored by the Bellagio, something like that. <laughs> uh, maybe select the leads. Damn. You know, we'll, we'll have our own OFP high roller room at the Bellagio. I don't know, man. I looked up. I saw the Goodyear blimp. What can I say, Brad? You know, you feel me, bro? Bold. Yeah, but Bold predictions. <laughs> that is bold. <laughs> I don't gamble anymore, so I, I'm in a rock and a hard place over here. I thought you guys would be on board with that. Maybe throw a little action and bet on that prediction. Uh, can I be in the blimp? That's what I'm predicting, you know. We'll be in Vegas. Look up at the Goodyear blimp, and it'll say Ice Cube's a pimp, and that's where we'll be at, man. Maybe Ice Cube will be there. <laughs> I always liked Ice Cube. All right, and we're back, guys, after that extended uh, herbal intermission. Man, we took our time with it, and now it's time to recap our draft. Is our salary cap draft in the Any Given Sunday of Fantasy Football League has been completed. Pretty exciting stuff. As usual, it was a rowdy one. Uh, a lot of fun and a lot of very interesting things to talk about, as always, on draft day. So, uh, guys, we're back at it. I mean, we're fresh off the draft. 
uh, it feels good to have it done, have it in the books. And now it's just time to, you know, talk about what happened. But before we get into it, guys, a couple news and notes to hit in the NFL uh, before we start on the draft talk, because the, the news in the NFL is just coming out every day. Fantasy situations are changing. Values are changing. And hey, by the time our episode drops, there's still some leagues out there that haven't drafted. So we got to get this info out there to everybody. And uh, Rich, I'll start over there with you, man. Uh, sure, take a deep breath after that draft, but let's talk some news and notes, man. Uh, Adrian Peterson, bro, he was released from the Washington Redskins and ended up in Detroit, further muddying up that backfield situation. So real quick, man, uh, AP to the Lions, what do you make of that? I see a little depth going on here. They they definitely need him now. They put Bo Scarborough on the IR today. Uh, they also came out and it looks like DeAndre Swift might end up like missing some time. So it uh, looks like they just need that depth. Uh, he could be having a nice role right out the gate. Uh, I could see Matt Patricia wanting to have a veteran presence to come in right away and, and be right there in the backfield. So between him and on Johnson right now, I think it's going to be totally just like split between them. Viable play, uh, possibly depending on the matchup though. You know, it just depends on the matchup. All day, Adrian Peterson has surprised me several times. Yeah, I actually like Peterson there. I mean, I think it's going to take him a week or two to develop a, being the starter. But he always has the knack for going, even when he went to Washington, there are good backs there. He always has the knack of just impressing the coaches and getting the majority of the workload. And, you know, Bo Scarborough's on injured reserve now. They placed him there. So I don't think it's as muddled as you guys think. And plus, like I said this earlier, he's real close to that Russian title. So AP, he's going to come and he wants it. So I think there's room for him to take it too. Yeah, man. And the injury history with Carryon Johnson, the rook DeAndre Swift's already banged up. Yeah, like you said, Rich, I mean, AP, he's a machine. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if he finds the end zone in week one. I mean, he's just that kind of player, even at the age of, uh, I believe he's 35 or 36 now. So interesting move there. Next up on the list, guys, finally, after uh, the whole offseason, this uh, stud defensive end was linked to several different teams. Jadavian Clowney, Brad, he ended up with the Tennessee Titans after all. Already a strong defense. Now they got uh, Mike Vrabel. You know, he's got uh, Clowney to just get after the quarterback. So Clowney to Tennessee, Brad, where does that put that defense's value for you? Oh, I mean, I think it, it makes their value jump right up. To me, it, it they could be a potential top five defense. I mean, that's a huge signing. And honestly, when the alert came out that it, he was signing with it, and then he said he wasn't, he had not fully committed, I thought Arizona, maybe they could be pulling a last-ditch effort, you know, just like the optimism in me. But uh, it turns out it was the Saints. And so if you would have went to the Saints, that would have been real dangerous. You know, he obviously went with Tennessee, felt more comfortable there. And, I mean, that's his old division. So I think he's got a lot to prove. And He's going to have fun there. So I think it's it's a really, really nice signing for Tennessee. Interesting note, the Saints tried to pull a little maneuver, and the NFL put a said no way to it. They tried to basically create a little trade, a sign-in trade, which isn't like really done in the NFL. They were going to have the Browns sign Clowney, then ship him over for a pick, and they would the Browns would pay the signing bonus, basically, would be how it would work, that the, the cap money would work. And the NFL put a kibosh on it. 
just so you're aware, just a little fancy kind of type nugget, always be looking for the ways to do things within your league rules and, and get it done. Like, so, you know, the Saints tried to push that line and then asked for permissions and they said no. But, like, you know, <laughs> they kind of found a loophole, but the NFL said, no, we're not going to let you lo- use the loophole. <laughs> you know, the last thing I read about that, Rich, was that somehow the Ravens were involved too in this sign and trade uh, scheme. Yeah, it was this whole thing, whole weird thing. So, like, it was like another pick <laughs> and a player involved to make it a three team trade. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like Sean Payton was confusing the hell out of the league office and they were just like, dude, no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not happening. That's a good point, Mark, because uh, Sean Payton, I think he does try to stick it to the league office. I think since the freaking whole thing, he does. He he tries to be as smart as possible. He's on the level of Belichick right now with this stuff. So I, <laughs> it makes me laugh a little. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there's some bitterness there with Sean Payton. And we always remind each other of the last two playoff exits for the Saints and how uh, the calls didn't go their way. So no love lost there. We'll hit the news and notes in the Windy City, guys. Chi-Town. Excitement's in the air, I got to tell you, because Mitch Trubisky has been named the Chicago Bears starting quarterback. And I'm hopeful that he will uh, continue his progression in his career, but I do feel that Nick Foles' shadow will be looming large if uh, young Trubisky starts to stumble. Rich, where do you come out on Trubisky being the starter, and how does it affect the offensive value for the Bears? Well, I'll tell you right out the gate that I don't know what it is, but I've had this gut feeling that we are going to get the right version of Mitchell Trubisky this season. I don't know why I feel that way. There is something that is telling me that I think he's going to get his head right this year and be back to the guy who can produce. The guy, when he had that great year, he was a guy who kept his head downfield as he was running the ball, but just he knew where to hit the holes when it was time to run. He at least controlled the ball enough. I'm not sure what has happened in his form a little bit, but the the accuracy went waning last year. But if he can dial that back just a little bit and get back to the accuracy, I like Mitchell this year. So interesting tidbit. I would like to hear what Brad has to say about Mitchell Trubisky as well, considering he has gone ahead and drafted one of his pass catchers. I did. Allen Robinson. Spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, sorry. (laughs) Go ahead, Brad. There's actually an interesting story, if I may, to tell about that. So when the draft started up, I obviously was not prepared. Did not have all my devices set up. So obviously my tablet had to do some updating. So the very first 50 minutes, I was doing it on my phone. I didn't have it backed up. And so apparently I my body heat is very high. So even hovering your finger over that bet button will click it even if you don't click it. So I actually looked at my roster and I was like, what the fuck is Alan Robinson doing on here? It was a ghost click. It was a ghost click. I had no idea I clicked. I actually had to text Rich and find out how much I spent on him. Because on your phone, it won't show you the values because there's so little space. Yeah. And then once I got to the tablet after break, I was fine. But holy shit, I was like, please tell me I didn't spend $40 on him. 40 <laughs> no, just twelve. So I mean, you didn't you didn't invest heavy, but no, it's appropriate value. Okay, all right. So, what do you think about Mitch? Are you hoping it goes to Nick Foles? Well, you always talked about the Bears getting it together this year, so I'm just hoping you're right, and I benefit a little from that. So that is what I've kind of said about these quarterback situations, like here and and in Washington, is that there will be improvement, regardless of where it was last year. There will be an improvement this year. 
these coaches are not going to sit around with what was happening last year. So at some point, either the young quarterback is getting his head right and getting it right, or we're seeing the backups come in. You know, we see Nick Foles or we see Alex Smith come in. We're seeing improvement. Those are really good backups. Those are maybe two of the best backups in the league. So I definitely like these situations for that reason. I actually think Allen Robinson's in a good situation because, I mean, Allen Robinson was the number, I think he was like number 14 last year. Pretty good grab, I think, actually. Mitch Trubisky, guys, with with that collarbone injury that he had last year, I believe it was the collarbone that he rolled up on in that game. You know, he didn't really, never looked right after it. He didn't really look right before it last year either. But the one thing, the one good year he had, you know, he was utilizing his feet, Rich. I, I think you mentioned it. So not only was his accuracy better, but he was breaking off big runs and, you know, being a factor with the legs. And that really disappeared last year. So if Trubisky can somehow get back to that, there could be some success there. But I'm not going to bank on it, I don't think. And I think what I missed with saying about that is actually he had a lot of like vision for the field that year. I don't know if I really got into that, but he was using his legs in like very smart ways. He was always very deliberate with the way he was doing it because he was seeing the field so well. So I've seen him with good field vision. And if he can fix that accuracy, I think it's good stuff. It's something that somebody out there should be investing in. The next big bit of news, guys, coming out of the the desert, uh, coming out of Arizona, man. You know, we talked about it last week, Rich, I believe, about Steve Keim. Get the deal done, man. Uh, pay DeAndre Hopkins. You brought him over here. And I, I guess Steve Kahn might have listened to our podcast, man, because all of a sudden there's some rumors that D-Hop is about to get a nice fat contract that he deserves. So it's good to hear, Rich. And, you know, a little foreshadowing. I think DeAndre Hopkins might be a player you're pretty high on this year, man. I'm always pretty high on him. But, yes, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's uh, looming. It sounds like he's going to get his contract. I would like to see signed on the dotted line here in the next day or so. That'd be great. So that it's not something we're discussing anymore. But yeah, if he gets his money, all the better. He's a deserving candidate for a big whopping pile of money. I think um, Keenan Allen got 80 million bucks this week. So why not DeAndre Hopkins, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> money well spent, whatever they pay him, man. Right. Yeah, I'm actually just happy they gave him his money. I think the last thing you want is to have contract negotiations, especially with something so simple like we brought the guy to our organization. Of course we want to pay you. It's a lot different like a Leonard Fournette situation or somewhere else where you've been here three years. We really don't know if you're the guy. We don't want to commit big money to you. You know, maybe we'll franchise tag you or something like that. But with something like DeAndre, I mean, why would you not want him here? So I'm really happy they got that done or trying to get it done before the season. I think that just clears the air and now they can just focus on football. Yeah, and hopefully, man, you know, the contract, they lock him up for four or five years and him and Kyler can just grow together, man, and just become this dynamic combo that uh, I think we all see the potential in that combo, especially for years to come. So uh, exciting news. Hopefully they get them locked up and I'm looking forward to it, man. Hell yeah, man. I, I am too. I did want to say real quick, you know, it's like, I, I like what the Cardinals are doing. They're creating that core. They have a young core. They have a solid mix of veterans around as well. They, they need to get um, – they're looking into getting Chandler Jones signed to a nice extension too. So I think they're just – this team is building. This team is growing. I'm excited for the next couple of years to see where it goes. Big ups to Steve Keim if he gets these deals done too. He's, he's done his work this offseason, man. The last two offseasons, he's really killed it. And he's definitely listening to us. So uh, he, you heard that, Rich. That's good. <laughs> I think he is. 
He's taking notes. <laughs> uh, He's sure to listen to my shit. He likes it. <laughs> yeah, that's just exciting uh, for this organization as a whole. And hopefully Larry Fitzgerald, man, hopefully in these next two years before he has to retire. I mean, I don't know how much longer he's planning to play, but hopefully they can do something big. You know, I don't know if there's Super Bowl potential in the next two years, but hopefully they can knock on the door and, and have some pretty memorable moments before uh, Larry departs from this franchise because he's been nothing but a stellar, stellar pillar of the community. Great player, awesome player to root for, and uh, one of my favorites of all time, to be completely honest with you guys. Yeah, actually, I think Larry is one of those players that just radiates this energy when people are around him. Not only does he bring the work ethic, he goes about it the right way. He never asks you to do anything he wouldn't do. Great leader, do all the hard work. He's just one of those guys that you really want in the locker room. So I think with this young team, He's that one nucleus that really makes this strong. So having him in the building for two years and even bringing back as like a, you know, player coach or something that they I've seen other teams do, that would be huge. So I think just having him in the building is just phenomenal. And these young guys can just learn from Larry. And he's a legend. So whenever Larry says like, hey guys, let's let's do this, everyone's just going to focus up. I, I do agree that Larry's big. I think he will be involved organizationally. I think that's an interesting concept there. And one thing about Larry, I will tell you is he is like, 260 something catches behind Jerry Rice. So <laughs> they don't put it out of the realm of possibility that if he gets some catches this year, he might he might be here two more years after that. So <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's crazy to say, but like man, could you imagine two more years of Larry alongside DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray? <laughs> and one thing I want to point out about Fitz, not just his great work ethic, his great attitude, his his leadership, just the fact you know he's had offers. There's, he's had other teams come after him over the years, and there's been different contract negotiations when he was coming up. He's had options. He could have gone somewhere else. Larry Fitzgerald wants to retire a Cardinal. He loves this franchise, loves this city. So it's just nothing but respect, man. So I hope uh, he has a great year this year, man. And guys, uh, we got one more bit of news uh, for all you draft preppers out there, anybody who hasn't drafted quite yet. Uh, Brad, we got a little depth chart shuffling on some tight ends I think you wanted to get into. So what do we got, man? Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that Ian Thomas, who, I mean, I think we all were kind of high on Ian Thomas this year, uh, him and Mike Jacecki both were listed as number two on their respective depth charts. That one kind of took me by surprise. Both of them, I thought, I mean, I was giving solid advice saying $1, go get these guys, great fills, but turns out they are not. I apologize, Brad. Uh, <laughs> that one's on me. Uh, Rich was wrong. I, I'm not sure what's, you know, I mean, it is a new coach there. So I, I think that's one quick thing is that you'll say Matt Rule, he's a brand new coach, wants to turn things over. So maybe he didn't see what Ron Rivera was seeing in Ian Thomas. It's a different camp. That's a good point, man. So, you know, we get this here at the end. Always an important thing. I think it was good we tweaked it coming up the last couple of years to draft as late as you possibly can, just because there is so much that happens all the way up until draft day, um, right up until the season starts. So it's a good idea. As, as much as you can, I know it always comes up on like a holiday weekend and stuff, but as as much as you can push it, you th that's the best way to do it because you're going to have the most information headed in. Absolutely, man. And well, guys, I think it might be time to talk about our little draft that we just uh, endured, I guess is the right word. <laughs> it was a lot of fun and man, a lot of movers and shakers and 
Uh, a lot of big money getting thrown around like every year or so. Guys, I guess we can just start with some of these running backs that went off the board for some big cash. Okay, yeah, I, I hear it. Everybody wants to talk about it. I hear it. You said big money, and I'll just I'll come right out again. I did once again pay the most money for a running back in our league. Uh, I did not pay 90 like I did for David Johnson. I turned down the dial just a touch. You saved 10 bucks. I saved 10 bucks this year. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's what you guys don't get. I saved $10 this year. <laughs> I thought 75 was the max, so you lost five, but I guess whatever perspective you want to see it as. Full on, I did have, um, I think I had 135 in my books for the two that I got. I was excited to get it for 136. Come on, tell you, I paid my 80 the number one running back for Alvin Kamara. Even without a deal in tow, I paid the money. And I also got myself Dash. I got Clyde Edwards Elaire. Clyde Edwards Elaire, man. Elaire. That's what I said. I said <laughs> okay. Elaire. I thought I heard an H. <laughs> no, get that H out of here. I'll give you guys a little hint there, too, that um, when that came up about his name, that was about the time I started to become interested in the man as as, as a roster material. <laughs> There's actually something that came up in my draft where I overpaid on one of my players, but it worked out because I wanted a combo, like you said, and collectively I paid what I wanted to. So DK Metcalf, I plugged $25 in because we all talked about an infatuation for him. He was a beast. I wanted to go get him. But Russell Wilson, I only plugged $15 in. And the way it went down... I was getting outbid on all my players. I had one guy, tons of money, and Russell Wilson came up, and I, I said, I'm going to get this guy. I like what they're doing with this year, and I got outbid, so I'm like, fuck this. And so when it went to 25, I easily clicked that button. But thankfully, DK, no one had money at that time when he was nominated, and I got him for 12 bucks. So I got them for 37 which I had plugged originally 40 together. So I actually saved 3 bucks, even though I paid more for Russell than I wanted to. Nice, man. Yeah, I like that move, Brad. Uh, pairing that Seahawks combo, man. Uh, that's a nice little stack there. Russ Wilson to DK. Uh, I would expect big things from that. And Rich, uh, Alvin Kamara for 80 bucks. I mean, we talked about a few weeks ago that in his situation, he does have the potential to hit that number one running back spot this year. So can't argue with it. Uh, might be a little bit, a couple bucks more than you're expecting to pay, but you secured him, man. You did what you had to do to secure him. And now you get to ride with them, man. Ride or die, right? Yeah, that's the thing. If you pay, like, you got a guy that you really like, and you end up paying a dollar or two, five bucks more, but you secure your guy. I mean, when it came down, I had like six bucks left I didn't even spend. So, I mean, I could have spent another six bucks that earlier. So, when it comes down to it, five bucks isn't really a big deal, like Rich spending 80. But don't do it for all your guys and kind of keep it within reason. Kind of do it on your core guys and not necessarily the extra guys. Well, yeah, I think that's a good bit of strategy in there that we kind of honed in on is that if you feel you can navigate it, go ahead and navigate it, take it on. You, you can't take it on on every single player, but if you feel that the, it's going, the draft is going a certain way, I'll tell you, when we were getting to Camara, I felt um, that I needed to secure him. I, I, I had him on my list, first of all. That's, that's one thing, too. I, I don't always hone in to these are the guys I'm going to get. But this year, I did have a few guys that really stood out as guys that can and are able to separate themselves and in positions to pay the right money to get it as well. Like, I, I would have wanted to pay 75, so I paid 80. 
I'm okay with that because I came out of the two running back situation one dollar. I did. I actually thought I'd get the dash for fifty one. Right on, man. Looking at my roster, uh, get your guys' thoughts on one of the draft picks here. We could talk about whoever, but one guy that I secured that I wasn't necessarily trying to for that price was Zach Moss. I ended up getting him for 17 bucks, the rookie running back in Buffalo. You know, I made sure to secure Devin Singletary later on to kind of lock down that whole situation. But that was one that I was a little upset with myself on was Zach Moss for 17. But hey, you know, he's a rookie. Put him on my bench and see what kind of role he earns there is my thought. Really, Mark? This is what we're going to talk about, the running back, Zach Moss and Singletary? Yeah. Can we not talk about Todd Gurley? (laughs) Oh, you thought I was avoiding that topic. I feel like our listeners deserve this. We deserve that you, true to your word. I did draft Todd Gurley. I, I stayed true to my guns. I got him for 39 bucks. So, you know, earlier in the year on one of the other shows or probably every show, I was talking about how I'd pay 50 for him. So 39, I guess you could look at that as a bit of a discount in my mind, but probably a little more than you guys would have been willing to pay. I think I got in a little bit of a bidding war on him with somebody. But at that point in the draft, man, I I hadn't really built up my running back core. You know, I was in on a lot of guys and the bidding wars were going and I, I wasn't ready to hang on some of those prices, man. So I kind of kicked back and, yeah, I ended up with Todd Gurley as my starter. Rich, your thoughts, buddy. I'll tell you what, you overpaid and it might be a little foreshadowing for a later segment, but uh, you – didn't back him up. You didn't back him up either. Uh, you didn't decide on that, huh? No, I didn't, man. I thought uh, better of that. And I already backed up the Buffalo situation. So I took a stab at uh, Tevin Coleman, just get a piece of that good Niners ground game and hope that he can assume a role where he's productive. So that's where I went on that. Uh, I did not actually get Brian Hill or Edo Smith to back up Todd Gurley. So <laughs> rolling the dice so to say yeah so i mean i i get it actually when you when you mentioned the buffalo thing and and you know i i did want to kind of talk about bidding wars i think that's an interesting little side topic that we can kind of get into real quick but um bidding wars it's interesting that they happen at all the different times of the draft yeah it's at all the values there's you know it was me and jay i think or no not jay it was chris for uh alvin Kamara, and you know sometimes you just get into that mode where you're like no man no mm-hmm. i'm not doing this and then you're like mad you're almost mad like you're like i'm getting this guy it's happening right mm-hmm. now and, you, and you're like no it's happening and and like you you're like i'm not backing off of this zach moss mm-hmm. situation no i'm gonna do this yep. now it's over with <laughs> so like you just do yeah. it and then it's over with, but like you've secured your like situations. Yeah. I don't think that's such a bad idea with the Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I think eventually one of them's the guy. So you've secured the backfield. I actually had a little bit of a bid in war with a guy in our league. I didn't actually get any of the top running backs because I was trying to go value this year. But I had some of my, uh, you know, second tier guys I thought could be top tier guys you know, that I was going to go get. And so when it came down to it, I had Josh Jacobs up there. I thought I was going to get for 45, 50 bucks. And he went for 60. And I was like, I can't pull the trigger on that. I need this money to get my value guys later. So then I was like, all right, I'll go get Austin Eckler. 
and he went for 60 and i was like holy shit dude yeah and that was a little bit later where i thought people were gonna kind of be out of money like that for a running back when austin eckler went i was like damn he still went for 60 56 or something at that moment well yeah that's that's what i think happens in drafts is you have that like regeneration of like okay there's these people who have a little bit more money and they're bound to overpay even even brad got into it a little bit like you said with russell wilson you know that's when you got into that mode you said well no i have the money i have to spend the money i'm going to secure this player at this point there's no reason for me not to they can't bury you with it when it comes to the auction draft money right you want your budget to be zero at the end i had four bucks left over at the end i think brad you had a few bucks and I was pissed about that. I was like, man, I could have used that somewhere else. And I, I should know better than that. Usually I hit zero or one dollar right on the nose. So Yeah, and that's the thing too, is so when Eckler went for sixty, I was looking at the next guy on my list was Gordon. And so I I because I thought Eckler I'd get for sure for forty five. I thought that was uh even he was worth thirty five. I had a lot of money, I could get him for forty five. So when Gordon came up, I thought he was worth twenty five for sure again for thirty five. And another guy in my league, because I had so much money, I felt like I was getting bit up in this situation. So I looked at his roster, and he had three running backs with only a $43 max bet. So I'm like, there's no reason he wants Gordon at this moment. So I know he's bitten me up. So I actually stuck it with him at 35 and backed off of Gordon. And I took a risk. I I said to myself, you're going to build wide receiver heavy this year. Hope Connor builds to be a suitable number one back. And I got two rookies, you know. Taylor and eight, hopefully one of those two pan out and I get somewhat of a running game, but I did take a risk. And one of my backdoor things was go get two defenses and two good quarterbacks and a bunch of good wide receivers. So I can facilitate possibly a trade to get a running back later because I missed out on all the bets. Well, I think in our little text conversation post draft, that's what I was telling you was I felt like you've at least got the pieces all the pieces on your roster are still really nice. So if you, even if you're not really happy with construction after you come out of the, out of the draft, if you still have nice pieces, you should be able to manage and get to where you're looking for and get to a good roster. Yeah. And just to correct it for the listeners real quick, guys, I think Brad, you said he went for 60. I guessed 56. Austin Eckler went for $64. Yeah. So that seems a little pricey for him to me that's a lot it's too much <laughs> it's too much for sure coming in i evaluated him at about a 40 dollar guy i actually saw this hype video where it was pound for pound the strongest guy this and that and i was like you know because i was thinking 25 bucks is what he's gonna go for i'm like all right i could get on austin eckler and when he went for 64 it was like holy cow what is going on that was one of the videos i seen this year is austin eckler he is jacked he is he is absolutely jacked. And then, like, on Hard Knocks, they had him jumping over, like, the little blocking pads, mm-hmm. man. They stacked it, like, they put it on the thing, and then they put five of those suckers high, and he jumped over it. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Eckler's pretty dope this year. I wasn't willing to pay that price, but I do think he's a talented guy. And like you said, if he's getting jacked and able to assume, a, like, a th- more of a three-down role, that's going to be nice. And I think Tyrod and Keenan Allen, I mean, those are – that could be a solid core right there. Their defense is nice. I mean, I mean, it could be just enough for it all to work out there. I agree, man. Uh, guys, you want to talk about maybe some tight end values where some of these top tight ends went and the, the price tags on them? I think that was kind of interesting. George Kittle flew off the board for 49 bucks. Yeah, I was shocked because at that time I had money. So I was like, well, I'm going to get one of the top tight ends. Not for that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was saving for a little 
top three tight end, and it just didn't work out for me, man. Real quick, that was Eddie versus who? Do you guys remember who that was? Oh, I was in there up to like 45, I think. Oh, whoa. All the people I was bidding on at that time, I was getting bid up. And like you said, Rich, you just get a little angry. So I was a little angry at that moment. I hear that. I'm glad you cooler heads prevailed with you. I think you came out with a better roster because of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that scares me. Uh <laughs> 49. Hey, guys, this is not Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I wasn't sure how high that price tag was going to go, but. Sorry, I was getting like sweats. <laughs> He's having like flashbacks. <laughs> not again. <laughs> I was in on the Travis Kelsey train too, and I was doing some clickies on him, but it got to a point where I just had to peel back, man. I was like, nope. What did Kelsey end up going for? 39. I wasn't even paying that much attention at that point for those. I was done so early. <laughs> I was done by like the 20th player, and then I just had to wait for one name to come off the board. <laughs> well, Rich, you did uh, secure your guy, though. Let's talk about that real quick. Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, man. He is on your roster. I'm sure he's going to be in your starting lineup. Are you happy, man? Did you get him for the price you were hoping? And are you just happy you got your dude? I got all my dudes. Um, <laughs> I'll take it on the chin that I do have, you know, things to work on during this season. One thing I will say as a strategy of mine, and we kind of discussed this back and forth between using value or really going all in on some studs. And and I decided to myself I was going to go all in on some studs. Um, one thing that came into that consideration was an adjustment to our league rules. Um, for this year, we have 25 waiver move. So that's as a precautionary move due to COVID. We feel like there's going to be a lot more churning through the wires, um, a lot more necessary needs for waiver wire utilization this year. I'm prognosticating it's going to fall somewhere in between that we need it and between that we don't really need it. So kind of in that middle ground to where I feel like I can be comfortable and feel like using those moves in a little bit different manner this year is going to work out for me. I, I invested. I just, I invested in my guys. I got myself, I was able to go out and get my running backs that I had on the list. And then I also had one other name on the list that I wanted to walk out with this year. My guy, Scary Terry F1 McLaurin. I got him. I'm super excited about it. Fired up. I don't know how <laughs> to put it. I, I was, I was happy. I paid 11 bucks. So he was like the last guy I could pick up basically for any money. And I was more than happy to pay that 11 bucks. I think I had about two or three more that I could have bid at that moment. And I was willing to invest it all and, and walk out with everybody else at a dollar. So I had 15 on him pre-draft. So I got him for actually better value. All my talk didn't even drive up his price. <laughs> yeah, actually, initially I was very upset with my draft. But looking back, I actually accomplished what I wanted to do. I got 90% of all my players. I didn't get a second running back like I really wanted, but I also got Devontae Adams. And then I also got Baltimore defense and Pittsburgh defense. So I have two top-tier defenses, too. And you also got two what I would consider high-end project guys. Because when, okay, I'll say if, Jonathan Taylor wins that job, you're going to have a really, really stout running back, right, Brad? And like what I like to do with running backs, evaluate the offensive line. And so that's why I want James Conner and also the indie running back who I think will eventually have that job. So that will be a nice piece if it comes to fruition. Exactly. And I, I just think him and Cam Akers are high-end projects. There, there's other guys that are like middling projects, whereas I think these guys have high-end potential if they really pan out. 
I think Jonathan Taylor can be very high end when and if he is getting the bulk share of the carries there. I mean, it's going to be tough. I, I think it's a little bit of tough sledding. I've prognosticated that a little bit that it takes five, six weeks before he's really the guy, but I think talent shines out in the NFL. Yeah, man. And you were talking about kind of uh, just the overarching strategy that you kind of realized, you know, almost mid draft or, at least for me that I was going with it. And I was thinking about it, you know, I've been thinking about it a little bit was with this season that the COVID season and with this year, that's just going to be so different for all the teams, all the players, everyone involved that I started thinking more about vets because I was thinking about the rookies and just not having all the training camp and all the preparations that they normally would, the fitting in, the getting comfortable that I started thinking maybe some teams are really going to lean on their vets. So that's where my brain was at when I went with the receivers. I got paid about 39 bucks from Mike Evans. I also got T.Y. Hilton, you know, our theme song uh, nominee or honorary member of our intro song, I guess you would say. Not Juju Smith-Schuster? Sure, I was bidding on Juju, but I probably didn't have enough money. I think Chris got him. <laughs> and then the other uh, receiver I got was Galladay. So I was looking for three vets at receiver that I can count on points each week. So that's where my head went on that. Honestly, Mark, I was ecstatic when you picked up T.Y. Hilton. I was so <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> I think I dropped something into the chat when that happened. I was so excited. Like at least one of us got one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Represent, man. Represent for me this year, T.Y. It's fucking dope. I, I hope he does, man. <laughs> we made you famous with our intro song, man. Nobody knew who you were before we came along. Right? <laughs> right. We fucking killed it. Dope. Making people famous. But no, Mark, I would say real quick, I like what you were saying there. That's that's good strategy. Whenever you thought of it, that's great, man. Good strategy for people out there is to get some vets this year. I do like that. I, I mean, I... This is coming from a guy who also drafted, you know, a rookie running back, but there's some vets on my roster too. And rookie running backs are always exciting. Brad landed with a couple of them. Rich, you got one. I got Zach Moss. So I did invest in a rookie. You just don't know. I mean, they can blow up. So it's nice, man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with these rookie RBs. That'll be an interesting thing to track out of the four rookie RBs between us is the who kind of leads the prominence. I would think... The guy on the Kansas City Chiefs might, but you never know. With the clear-cut starting job? <laughs> well, I will tell you guys, heading into week one, just so you guys know, I want to be prepared and let it be known out there that there is talk that the first couple of weeks, it's going to be growing into his role. So he's going to, like, leading him in. He's not going to get 25 carries in the first week, 25 touches, you know what I mean? I've already taken that under my wing. I understand that process, and I am willing to... To work through the first couple of weeks. I actually do this sometimes not on purpose necessarily, but I do say to myself that I'm okay with taking a loss in week one or week two and letting a player come into his own. I'll take on more of a project in that manner just because of that. So I'm well aware that Darrell Williams is the guy who will get some carries and probably will get the goal line work right now because they trust him and they want to make sure they're pounding that ball in. So like right now, I do understand even this week, it's on Thursday, he's going to be out there right now. He might only get about 
12, 15 touches right out the gate. But look out, guys. We'll see what the, what he does with those 12 to 15 touches. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you got to get him in your starting lineup. I, I don't think that's a question even early in the season, just to see what he does. No doubt. No, he'll be in there. Because he's on the Chiefs, and he's the running back. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> got to like that. It's, I think we like Chiefs options this year, right, Mark? Yeah, that's a little 2 plus 2 equals 4 when it comes to that, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to throw him the ball, and I'm going to catch the ball out of the backfield. I love it, man. Yeah. I foresee big things. I mean, uh, Sorrow was texting me today and talking about Tom Brady. I said, feel free to toss as many touchdowns to Mike Evans as you want this year. <laughs> Light it up. You know, speaking so. of Tom Brady, that he went for some great value this year. 12 bucks. That might be one of the better steals of the draft. Yo, Kyler Murray was another one. Oh yeah. For 13 bucks. 13. Oh, still great. Great value for Kyler Murray. I was right there on that too. I was basically my last 14 bucks was dedicated to either Kyler Murray or Terry McLaurin. So I was kind of making that decision mid draft where I was saying to myself, I do kind of maybe want to get that stack going and get real heavy with it. But I backed off that and said, no, let's get my guy. I was actually, uh, when I saw Tannehill still sitting out there and you'll only had two dollar max bet i was wondering if you were gonna be able to get him with that two bucks i I didn't think you were if people were listening to our podcast no one was gonna let you get him but apparently they did (laughs) i like the guy i mean i I don't i i put it out there too i I would love to steal him for three bucks and (laughs) i came into that moment with only the ability to put two bucks and i still got him i could not believe it man so you know i mean people are obviously down on a on a guy like ryan Tannehill, but what i'll tell you about him is he's a guy who just got a contract he's a guy who has a great offensive line He's a guy who has a dominant running game, and he is a guy who has really nice weapons to throw to, really underrated, undervalued weapons. So what I'll tell you is I really like Ryan Tannehill, and I expect him, and see as it progresses, I'm hoping he's a top-five quarterback again like he was the back half of last year. Yep, and then speaking of connections, uh, Rich, you know, you'll have your quarterback throwing to Brad's receiver over there and A.J. Brown. So That's right. That was some nice value for A.J. Brown, I thought, Brad. Uh, uh, I think him and DK, man, those are a couple of the most beastly receivers in the NFL right now, bro. And then put Devontae Adams on top of that. And I told Rich this, Sar had a very similar team last year. Really good quarterback in Tom Brady, Mark Ingram running back, I James Conner, and three stout receivers. He had New England defense, which I have Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and I'm pretty sure one of those two will be the number one defense this year. So I just have to sit back and wait on that. And I mean, shit, he made a really good push last year. So hopefully I can just do that and get over the hump. I'll be crafting an offer at some point. (laughs) I'm foreseeing this maybe between weeks one and four where I'm going to try to get one of those defenses. I will be fielding many offers. I mean, I have Josh Allen as my backup quarterback, and there are a few teams in this league that need a quarterback. That was good shit. Jared Goff is their only quarterback. So, you know, Chris, I think you may want to call me up. But also, Baltimore defense could be top tier. And my wide receivers, I have Devontae, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and then Allen Robinson and Emmanuel Sanders. So I feel like those last two guys could be good trade pieces for someone, too. Like, I know Toby was missing out on some wide receivers, so he could do it too. Yeah, Brad, and I wanted to mention, and I do like all those pieces, and I think me and you were in a little bit of a click-for-click click with uh, Manuel Sanders, man. It might have came down to us two there because I was trying to secure him as well. But I wanted to say that one guy we didn't mention, Brad, I don't think yet, was Darren Waller for six bucks. And we talked about 
these other tight ends going for some hefty price tags. So to bring in Darren Waller for six bucks, you got to be pretty happy with that. Well, yeah, before I actually get into that, I got to give you big props for picking up on Noah Fant. You picked him up. (laughs) He was my guy going in through this whole thing. So I think he's going to be a big success for you. But when Josh Jacobs went for $60, because he was on my list the whole time and I didn't want to stack Waller with Jacobs. So when Jacobs went out, Waller immediately went up to the top of my board. One thing I did want to say, I I don't know if we, we don't really want to get into too much of this stuff with the the league stuff but man i gotta give everybody in the league props this year i think because like i was like sitting there and sometimes i'll i'll stack up the league after we draft right so i'll look at everybody's roster a weak roster middle range roster good roster great roster i'll kind of tear it out like that like i don't know like maybe one of our guests we had before uh (laughs) team is badass badass like the philadelphia eagles (laughs) (laughs) But what I would say is that it's a very balanced draft this year. Once I looked at what we had here, I, I, I couldn't put it 1 through 12 for you. I couldn't tear it out for you, really. Um, I think everybody did a really good job drafting this year. I think everybody was on point, to be honest with you. I think they brought it. I will say one point. You mentioned the Eagles. Jay, the El Hampion, went and drafted five Eagle players on one team. Five out of 14 players. It's true. This is true. I have talked to Jay since the draft, and Jay is very confident. I mean, he'll hear this. He is very confident in his team. He thinks they'll be great players. And I asked him, I'm like, can you really start that many guys in one week? He thinks they're going to be amazing. And he thinks that as long as he's done his research and it's good, what he believes, he thinks he's going to be a solid team. And so time will tell with that one. But that is a very risky maneuver. We learned from Turtle last year with stacking up Atlanta guys that that could really blow up in your face. So I would really two guys max, and that would be quarterback, wide receiver, running back, kicker, you know, something not where they're like fighting for touchdowns. Yeah, that makes sense, Brad. And, you know, I did suggest to Jay that maybe he should change his team name to the Green Machine because when you put five roster slots of Eagles And remember, folks, we only have a 14-slot roster. We have a short bench. So literally over one-third, percentage-wise, I don't know, 37% of his roster is Philadelphia Eagles. So I imagine that his bye week is going to be a bit of a clusterfuck is my first thought. And then my second thought, my second thought is that, yeah, maybe just a little bit overboard on the love for the Eagles. And, you know, the two-time champ going for a three-peat. Definitely an interesting strategy. Uh, not sure how much chronic Jay smoked yesterday, but he was uh, getting after it with those Eagles, man. Apparently, Jay has evaluated the situation, and the Eagles <laughs> will be scoring about 45 points a game, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'm on board. <laughs> I will say this about Jay's team. I know he did draft five Eagles players, which is a little insane, but he does have a lot of other good players on his team so i think when it comes down to it he just won't be starting all five he does have dj chark keenan allen on his bench and instead of carson wentz as his quarterback he has drew Brees. so i feel like he's gonna really be starting two of them you know he's done well that he's got good pieces out of his draft it's just funny i just think he's the type of guy it's gonna take him a few weeks before he kind of realizes that like he just can't roll with a roster like this and he'll churn them out like and Carson Wentz will sit there as his backup what's funny about that situation is that Jay will then put in Carson Wentz say say Drew Brees goes down right and he has to go to Carson Wentz and he's like okay now it's time 
good. I've got Carson Wentz, right? It's going to take him two weeks with that starting like that before he kind of comes to that realization of just like, I can't do this. Why am I starting four or five uh, Philadelphia Eagles right now? I can't do this anymore. Just run down who he picked up as Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and the Philadelphia defense. So stocked. The cabinets are full of Eagles at Jay's house. Real quick, I will give credit to Jay. Absolutely, he did pick up some nice players in this draft. I do like the pickup of Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, and DJ Chark. Like, those are great pickups. So Chris Godwin. And Chris Godwin, yeah. These are these are very good players. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think it really affects him as much this year. Like if we only had 15 waiver moves like every other year, then this would really hinder him. But mm-hmm. but I think okay. I think when he gets to the point where he realizes it and says he's got to give up, at least he has the ability to start churning a little better this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that was like the major difference with Turtle stacking up all his Atlanta guys last year. They were all his starters. He didn't have anyone else that he could plug in. Where Jay, even though he's got five Philly guys, instead of the Eagles' defense, he has Buffalo's defense. He's going to start Buffalo majority of the time. Drew Brees over Wentz, you know. I just didn't get the Ertz one, really. That was kind of the one where I was just like, okay, well, actually, Ertz and Deshaun Jackson. Got Miles Sanders locked up. I just didn't understand getting into all the pass-catching stuff, too. Like, (laughs) that's too much stack. You guys have said two is the right number when it comes to a stack. And not only that, they've had so many injuries on the offensive line. But uh, I do want to talk about defenses and how cheap they went. The San Francisco went high and then seemed like no one else went for any money. I was really shocked that I got Pittsburgh and Baltimore for $7 or $8. Like, shocked. My finger was hovering over that mouse on the Baltimore Ravens defense. And uh, when I found out at the end of the draft that I still had $4 left over, then I was really upset that I didn't click that button. But I ended up with the Chicago Bears for 2 bucks, so I'm going to roll with my Bears. That was one thing I wanted to tell you guys about the draft. Uh, a couple things, actually. I had to make that decision late in the draft about doing a second defense or not. I kind of got that feeling about the defenses, though, like right out the gate. When there was that like overpay right out the gate, I was like, oh, man. And I knew it was going to kind of come back to us. Like Everybody was getting defenses for nothing. And honestly, that goes to show our league stepping up a little bit, too, I think. Um, when the values start adjusting like that, I think that's growth in a league. And then the other thing I was going to say is, yeah, you guys spend your money next year. Six dollars. Yeah. That was one note I had. Six dollars for Brad and four dollars for Mark. Uh, I think you guys were the only two guys who even had money at the end. I kind of fucked up because I had two positions left, and I actually was going to get no event. And I was like, all right, whatever. If I got to spend five bucks, six bucks, I got six bucks left. I get no event. And then I went to do nominations, and it was like, you can't nominate. I was like, what the fuck? Why can't I do this? I hadn't picked up a kicker yet, so my last slot had to be a oh. kicker. So I was expecting to have that money to get a last position spot, but I needed a kicker. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll pick whatever a kicker I want. I'll get him. Very interesting you say this. I was one note I wanted to say to you guys is that I don't know if you noticed that, but it was, I don't know, somewhere three quarters into the draft, I picked up my kicker. I said kicker time. Because I thought to myself, I don't want to have to fucking think about this when the shit starts hitting the fan and I got to be queuing people up like a motherfucker. I'm going to fucking have it ready to go with just skill and other things that I want and not have to think about kicker when the time comes. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys noticed this. It was probably pretty hard to miss, but some dipshit out there actually (laughs) paid nine bucks for Justin Tucker, which, whoa, settle down, buddy. That was actually me, unfortunately, but... 
I was good with paying six or seven, and then somebody kept clicking me, and I was just like, well, he's mine now. Was that the ghost click? Uh, no, that was. The, I'll own that. I clicked him. Mark and I came in battle mode, right? We came and like said no, like I'm getting this guy. There was several instances where we said no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the money I'm on this guy and get him. Yeah, yeah, I thought that way with Mahomes when I got Mahomes. Yeah. Um, you know, I just decided that uh, I just like obviously there's a lot to like about the Chiefs' offense, but I wanted to get a really good quarterback this year and not have to shuffle with it. And you know, like you said, Rich, the the 25 moves that also came into my little strategy in the sense that we have those extra moves this year that, you know, there may be some running backs. I feel a little short, a little slighted on running back, but there may be some that come along the waiver wire, a waiver wire gem that, you know, I'll have a move and plug them in and, and that might work out for me. So that was kind of my thought about securing one of the top quarterbacks when I got Mahomes. I flirted with doing a, a high-end quarterback this year. I was I was pretty close to it, really. It was in my books. I had a few plans that were going that route. I did want a high-end quarterback. I didn't necessarily want to pay 41, which is mm-hmm. like what you pay. Was that the high, or did what did Lamar Jackson No, No, well, Lamar Jackson was, uh, what, 45? 46. 46 bucks. Yeah, okay. he was a little more. Yeah, which is which is reasonable. I mean, at least it's on the scale. It's right. I wish we would dial back that in a little bit in our senses in our league. But um, but also, yeah, you did get into a little bit of a bidding war there too. There was a moment I thought you were going to get Pat Mahomes for like thirty two bucks when that was just dude. sitting there. It was yeah. just sitting there. I was like, oh, dude, I thought you had it, dude. I was going to pump my fist at that moment, dude. Like, yeah. There was another guy. I don't know if it was you that were on him or it was me, but I want to say it was OBJ where he came up and it was like eight bucks and I was sitting on him. It's like going down, ticking down. I was like, I had to come in. I felt bad, but I was like, dude, no way. I had good value on OBJ actually. So like, I wasn't, I came into enforce at that moment, honestly. Like I was like, no, I got to come and get it. Like, like, I mean, I, no doubt if I was taking him out of that draft at like eight, I think I bumped him like to 20 bucks or something at that moment. Cause I was like, no guys get this fucking for real. I think it was, maybe it was like 18 or something, something like that. Mm. But I bumped it. I was like, no, I'm putting it up because like, even if I got to take him at 18, I'm going to scoop him at 18. So give me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one thing, too, is because I didn't really go in after anyone. I really went value draft this year. I kind of shaked it up and kind of changed up everything and just tried to see how it went. So when it came to me trying to buy players at the end, I felt like everyone knew I had money and everyone was like, all right, well, you're going to spend your money. And it got fucking annoying to all you guys out there. It got real fucking <laughs> annoying. So, you know what? So I started betting my players and I was just like, I'm, I got the most money. I should be able to get Josh Jacobs. I should get Austin Eckler and like 60 bucks for Eckler. I was like, all right, or 64 enough is enough. So when it came to Gordon, I really felt like I took the upper hand kind of like in a poker tournament, if you will. That's when the strategy, cause I stuck Toby with 38 and I think a lot of people were like, oh, maybe I won't bid him up that high. So, right. and then, uh, it came into Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen, I mean, he still went for a respectable value, but I felt like I was getting bid up. So I bid him up on purpose, even though he wasn't on my list. And then Jay got him for, I think, 18 or so. So after that, I felt like I got a lot easier time getting my guys. So sometimes, like you said, Rich, you have to enforce 
to get what you need. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal is is winning in the end. So if you stick a guy with 38 bucks that he wasn't trying to spend in that moment, now he can't spend any money. You've done a really good job to do that. And you've put him into a, a guy who's in a split backfield in the first place. So you made him way overpay for a guy who could be, you know, a second fiddle or he could just be a guy. There's wishy-washy ways it could go. One thing I was going to say, one regret I had when we were talking about a little bit up situation. One regret I had in the draft was not pushing Jay more on Saquon Barkley. I'll put it in a little strategy again. I I don't really like Saquon Barkley this year. I should have pushed him more. Jay would have gone more with me. He likes to bid me up. Jay Jay bid up like almost all of my players. So like you know every one of them pretty much. Camara uh, Ceh he was in on. Uh, he was he's the guy who made me pay eleven because I was at like eight on Terry McLaurin. I could have gotten McLaurin for eight. So he made me pay eleven bucks. But um, it is what it is. Jay can just keep coming at me in any way he wants, and it is what it is. Um, we'll see what shakes out. But I wanted to get him to pay. I told Brad I wanted to get him to pay at least 76, somewhere between 76 and 80 on, on Barkley. But I just, in that moment, I don't know, I got this, like, vague feeling that Jay was going to, like, try to drop me off, and I didn't want to get dropped off on Barkley at all. Jay had a poetic timing of uh, nominating DK, too. So I think he, uh, he was kind of listening to our podcast and, Taking a little information and kind of throwing it out there. Oh, he was. You know, that's interesting about the timing about DK's nomination, Brad, because he was definitely on my list, and I thought about throwing him out early. And like I said, I mentioned Zach Moss. I threw him out a little early when people still had money, and next thing you know, I'm paying 17 where if he might have lasted longer, he I could have got him for a better value. So the, the timing of the nominations, man, DK went a lot later than I thought he would. And Brad, I mean, excellent value at 12 bucks, man. Love it. I actually, I would like to talk about your roster real quick, Rich. I thought you did a nice job of piecing together some pieces at the end. There is one guy in particular that I really coveted. I wanted him on my roster, thought I'd give him for a buck. And when it came down to it and my roster got reconstructed and the dust settled, I did not have a spot for this guy and I had to watch him go by the wayside. And that is Nikhil Harry. I think he, with Cam Newton coming there, I feel like he's that speedster, his second year, the maturity, being in that organization. And, you know, they got run game coming now. A lot of attention will be off. I just feel like he will bloom. So, Props on that. Great job for $1 and having the roster spot to hold him. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing I don't typically do is get this deep at wide receiver. But I felt there was depth this year, and I felt I had to scoop up the top end value when I got DeAndre Hopkins for 40 bucks. So, like, that was the one piece I, you know, that changed my draft a little bit. I'll admit to that. I, I, I had no plans that were involving DeAndre Hopkins. But once I saw him sitting there in the mid 30s, mid 40s, I felt like he was going to go 44 and under. I said, I'm, I'm becoming involved now because I want to get that value. That's a guy who I've prognosticated as a one to five top receiver. So I'm going to pick him up. That wasn't in my cards. I actually had super value wide receivers that I wanted to do this year. McLaurin and behind if I was going to do that. So that changed what I was going to do, but I was still able somehow to really stack up my wide receivers but because of the, because of that depth. And, you know, I'm going to take in a different roster that I'm kind of used to. Usually I would feel comfortable with three running backs right out the gate. 
I would want to start three running backs and one wide receiver. This year, I think I'm going to see a lot more of my weekly starts sitting with my two running backs, my two absolute studs, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, every week, Terry McLaurin. And then behind that, I will continue to churn and look for depth. But, you know, I also at wide receiver picked up Debo Samuel. And like we started this topic with, Nikhil Harry. So if Nikhil Harry is my fourth wide receiver, I think I've done extremely well at wide receiver. Right on, man. And yeah, just, you know, wrapping up our thoughts on the draft was a lot of fun. And one thing I wanted to say was the chat box was a pretty lively, man. Uh, Pretty much everybody was coming in there with some one-liners. It was cracking me up. So we'll have to see if I can petition ESPN and get a script of that because I don't know, it cracked me up. But I did want to shout out Greg because I thought he might have had the line of the night. I think it came after you (laughs) drafted Terry McLaurin, Rich, and in all caps, Greg goes, let's go football team (laughs) i just thought that was funny man because uh i totally lost it on that one football team man i was like oh that's good shit (laughs) it's just the washington football team when you really think about it i mean that's what they're calling them but it's just such a ridiculous name but uh hopefully they'll come up with something good next year but for this year they are the washington football team let's go football team san Dimas high school football rules i saw a meme on instagram and it talked about the top five surprise teams in the NFL. And it I can't remember what the teams were, but it was like the Colts football team. Duh, duh, duh. And it was just like, I was like, are we, are we talking about any random football team? Like what's number two? Like just a, and I was like, oh, they're talking about Washington. I get it. Just zero effort with that name. I mean, just, I don't know. Uh, hopefully they come up with something good next year. All right, Rich, before we close this thing out, man, we got to get everybody ready for week one with a little bit of a waiver talk and some Thursday night football preview because it's just around the corner, guys, Texans and Chiefs. So, Rich, fill me in on some waiver uh, gems that might be out there uh, already, my friend. Yes, sir. I mean, when we get out of the draft, you got to get right back into looking at your next bitch, bat, bitch, your next bitch of players. <laughs> uh, look for your next batch of players uh, to look at. Brad, you get into the trade market and the waivers like right away, right? I literally already contacted people to see if they're open to trades. Yeah. Literally, they kind of just laughed at me because they know that's what I want to do. And you're like, oh, back to old form. Back to trades, yeah. But hey, man, I mean, you always have to try and improve your team. So to me, just like searching the waiver wire, you have to search the trade market like constantly. That's something that for listeners, if you wanted to, you know, Instagram messages or something, we could we could give you some direct advice. But, you know, it's it's hard to say a, a trade market and all that kind of topics are really hard. But we'll we'll discuss our things when they come up. But um, hard to get into all that stuff. But the waiver wires we can hit for you and we will hit strong for you. So really right out the gate, I'm just going to do these guys real quick. These are guys from our league that are still available, which I'll roll with for now in this format. Maybe, I don't know, I was going to ask you, Brad, do you think, Maybe we do it more like a percentage of owned guys, or do you want to just go with they're available in our league? I think just they're available in our league and what guys we really like, what guys stand out to us. Okay, yeah, I mean, there there may be some guys that we say that are uh, are um, already scooped up in people's leagues, but we can just get through it real quick. So QBs, um, I did have Mr. Mitchell Trubisky on there. Um, he's looking good. Uh, we talked about him earlier, so I think he's a good guy to pick up. So he tops my list, and I've got Drew Locke, good quarterback, and Derek Carr. One note on Derek Carr, Mariota to the IR today. There is a shorter IR this season. 
just one thing there, but I do like Derek Carr in his week one matchup particularly. Oh, come on, man. Mariota's going to be a top five quarterback this year. Now he's banged up. This is a bunk already. Two guys you didn't mention, Rich, quarterbacks real quick that are still available in our league, who I think could really be solid top 12 guys or somewhere around that, maybe a little behind, is Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah. those are guys you can look forward to. There's some guys. I mean, I don't want to list off everybody, but yeah, I mean, there's there's Sam Darnold who could be a play on some weeks coming up too. We've talked about the Jets passing game, them being behind. So good stuff there. Uh, I'll give you some running backs real quick. Let's go through these guys. So, Mark, I said we were going to do these as guys available in our league for now. Uh, maybe we would look to do like a percentage owned at some point. But for now, we're just going to go right with people who are available in our league right now. So I've got running backs. I've got Sony Michelle because my guy Damian Harris that I drafted, he's already on the IR. So... Sony Michelle will get like, you know, that goal line work. And I think he's rounded into form a little bit with that. I hope Damian Harris comes back real quick so that he can maintain that job. I think that's what he's going to win. Right on, man. Yeah. And in New England, I mean, you'd like to be able to count on Sony Michelle, but you know how they roll in New England. They still got Rex Burkhead and uh, James White. So I think he'll be a value, but a hard guy to trust. But we'll see how that plays out. I think if it came to him and like Adrian Peterson, I'd prefer like a Sony Michelle. Better offensive system going on. Um, I'd rather be with Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And and I think Sony Michelle has a better chance of getting into the end zone. Like I think these guys are both touchdown dependent, but I think they could get in. I'd like Sony Michelle in that in that regard. I think the running back uh, waiver wire is very limited. You're looking at by at best like a timeshare or like goal line carries. So I would stress it enough. I mean, I didn't do a great enough job, so I hope you learn from my mistake. Go out and secure yourself at least one or two really top dog backs. Really make yourself feel comfortable going into the rest of the season. Well, yeah, real quick, the rest of my list was just like those type of guys, projects, handcuff guys. But no doubt, if you have the room on your roster, if you've made a mistake and you don't really like a guy so much, um, I mean, look for a trade. But if it's time to go on somebody already, go ahead and get them out of there. Um, there are some guys you can take some some shots at and see if they would come out. I do like a few other guys real quick. I'll go through them. Boston Scott backing up Miles Sanders. We talked about him a little bit. Offensive line's kind of an issue already, but um, he's a viable play. They did name a starter kind of in Jacksonville as a running back. Um, I picked up Chris Thompson kind of knowing what his role would be. He's the pass-catching guy, but they're still looking for their primary rusher. Uh, James Robinson is going to get that role. So that's kind of a guy to a shitty team, still something to look at. And then one guy I really like, me personally I wouldn't be interested in, but Bryce Love of the Washington football team. He is actually like the primary rusher as well. You, Antonio Gibson is a good project in himself, but again, not the every down back really type guy. He's more of a gadget. So I, I kind of like Bryce Love. And you could also secure the handcuff to the Atlanta backfield too. That would be something that would be wise. That's available. And um, one other guy, you know, maybe if a, a little deeper rosters out there, maybe you go out and pick up a Devontae Freeman. Yeah. He was in in Jacksonville this weekend. Um, he did leave again without a contract. It, it is kind of out there and lurking that he will get a job at some point. Like I said, I think it is something that happens more like week three, week four, midseason injury. People get a little more desperate. He gets a little more desperate, and a deal gets done. Maybe he's got Des Bryant's agent. You're just coming in all the time and leaving without deals. 
<laughs> well, speaking of going and visiting somewhere and hopefully leaving without a deal, I saw that Lamar Miller visited the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, I guess a little selfishly, my thought was put this guy directly back in the limo and send him back to the airport. Because I thought of you immediately when I saw that story of Lamar Miller. I was like, oh, God. That's the last thing we need. <laughs> Mark has both Buffalo running backs. I do have one more running back. Um, it seems like Justin Jackson is hurt in L.A., is with the Chargers. So with Justin Jackson out, they like this other guy. He's a rookie, Josh Kelly. They like this kid. So when you guys were talking about Austin Eckler earlier, I don't think they ever really do want to necessarily use him as like a full bell cow. So don't get me wrong. Guy's got value. He's definitely going to be, I think he's like a top 10 running back still in our league. But I do see them using this Josh Kelly guy. And I used to think it was Justin Jackson uh, as a more of the running running back. So uh, it's a weird term, but the, the running running back. As as a lot of people go to committees, you have to think of these things. and Think of it in that way. So I, I've got Chris Thompson on my roster. I see him as a pass catching running back. He's he's a different item. Like He's the one guy I've also always thought about in our league league that he he's the the transformer he could go from ppr to standard scoring i think he's the one guy that kind of gets on that level not the one guy but he's that type of guy who gets there i would agree with that dude i like chris thompson and i mean the backfield the space in the backfield is cleared up quite a bit for him in jacksonville so think about him being a vet they're gonna trust him with a rock so I like that as a well one dollar. Rich, was that what you got him for? It's for a dollar, man. And, and like I said, Jay Gruden is the, is the offensive coordinator now, new offensive coordinator. I I think he's going to use him like he used to use him. And I used to like to use Chris Thompson. And the Jaguars are going to stink, dude. So they're going to be behind a lot. So are they going to be using their pass catching running back a lot more in those situations? I think so. So he's going to get a lot of touches, man. So honestly, like. On paper, my third running back, my fourth running back, they don't look all that great. But come midseason, I think they're going to look pretty good, man. I think my roster is going to stack out really nice. All right, guys. And while we're hitting this waiver wire, we better talk about uh, these wide receivers that are still floating around out there. We got some tight ends to talk about, too. So we'll send it over to you, Rich. There's some value still on that waiver wire. That's what we were talking about with the wide receivers earlier is that there's just a lot of value out there. So peruse it, man. Pick one you like. There's a lot out there. I'll read them off real quick. I got Brashard Perryman, Anthony Miller. I got Scotty Miller. I got Jalen Rager. I got... Lazard or MVS in Green Bay, and I got Brian Edwards. These guys are all very viable number two wide receivers who could very well project to a good receiver this year. I also have C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy on that list too. So, a couple of rooks, a couple of rookies that might pan out though. You know, back half. So, mm-hmm. take on a project with one of these guys. These guys are very good wide receivers. I'm just one note. I'll tell you, I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about Tom Brady liking Scotty Miller in that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker role. So that's if you like that, then maybe that's your type of guy. And that also kind of dings up Mr. Chris Godwin's value a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, he's still going to be super good, but that'll ding him up a little bit. You want to do tight ends? Yeah, man. So who do we got on the tight ends with the waiver wire, man? I'm sure that there's still some little gems to be dug up. I mean, just guys with a lot of potential. So if you're feeling a little unsteady at your tight end, I'm guessing these are going to be some guys you're going to want to look into. I had a few guys. Um, I did Jonu Smith right at the end of the draft. Chose him specifically because I have Ryan Tannehill, so I like the stack. But I found all these guys right in that same range. I went with Jonu just to get the stack. I've got Chris Herndon, Dallas Godair, and O.J. Howard. So I've got a couple uh, tight end backup kind of situations 
where actually they could really solidify themselves into the role as as the touchdown maker. So I, I like both of those options to maybe possibly pan out as a project in the tight end situation. And I also like uh, Greg Olson, Kyle Rudolph, and what was the other? Drizzle D. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I like about uh, Russ Wilson, I'm, I've been high on him all year, and they're going to utilize him a lot differently. They're going to say, Russ, go out and do your thing. So he's never really utilized the tight end that well. They brought Jimmy Graham in. They didn't utilize him. He was never a big tight end guy. So I do wonder if this year with Greg Olson being such a great, you know, on the fly breakdown passing game, find an open spot. Will he kind of find like a nice connection with him? So he's out there. If you got a spot, you know, or a dollar at the end of the draft, he might be a guy I really look into. So he could be a lot of upside. That's interesting. I would say um, they did kind of open things up last year with using utilizing the tight end. I felt like it didn't matter what tight end was in there. It was actually getting some production last year. It was kind of flipped the script last year as it went throughout the year where Jacob Hollister came in there. Uh, Disley was in there. They all got hurt. There was um, ah, some other dude, uh, Ed Dixon, I think it was. He was there as well. They all were producing in that role last year. So as you said, though, if they're going to continue to open it up, definitely something to look at. Maybe one of those other two guys who got the job in Carolina or Miami might be a guy to look at. Like I, I really like the role that Jacecki was playing last year. So if he's going to be in that same role, this guy, Smythe, maybe it's Smith. I don't know. Smythe. He might be a viable guy too. Right on, man. And was there any defenses that you noticed floating out there on the wire that – Hey, man, uh, if you're feeling a little shook with your defensive pick, I mean, take a look at this wire. I saw one or two on there. Yeah, I actually saw a couple of them. I'm just going to rattle them off real quick, and I'll go from top to bottom how they're ranked. I think the Chargers, you know, Bosa, he's a great guy, a lot of sacks. He's out there. Tennessee Titans, we talked about Clowney earlier. They're still out there. The Packers defense always, they seem to invest heavy in them. I think they're good. The Rams defense, Donald's still out there. And even the Cardinals defense, I think they really beefed up. I think they're solid. And then Carolina's down there too. I mean, I feel like they could be a real surprise. So a lot of good defenses. Highly suggest getting two this year. Go from there. Rich, what do you think? I won't put them on my roster because I don't I won't load up into this project. But as a team, I'm still loading in on Washington football team as a nice little project this year. So I love that defense. Um, so if you can still scoop them up, maybe just wait till there's a matchup. I don't think they're like a real heavy name, but you know, you, you, there may be a ticking time bomb on that thing and you might have to scoop them up before about week two, about two weeks in the season, you're going to see this defense will fly around. So Jack Del Rio's got them flying around and I, I think they've got some playmakers. So uh, Washington defense, somebody I'm interested. In. I don't really have r- room on the roster for two defenses just yet, but um, we'll see about that. Not for me on Washington, but I like the guys uh, Brad had. I wanted to mention, uh, Rich, that I don't think we touched on your defensive selection in the draft. You took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man, and I like that pick. I think that cost you a buck or two, so nothing crazy. But uh, tell me what you saw with the Tampa Bay defense and what you're projecting them to do this year. I'm projecting them as a top five defense. Um, I, I like the situation on the opposite side of the ball. I think football is played in three facets. I think all three facets are going to be very good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, finishing out last year, back half of the season, I believe eight through 16, Tampa Bay was a top five defense fantasy wise. That's what I'm expecting over 
a full season and I expect them to play well and, and make plays, man. This is going to be a team on a championship run. I wanted to get involved. Coming to the draft, I, I focused in on either Tom Brady because he's the one solid option that you don't have to worry about where it's going in that regard. And then I like the defense. Very good defense under Todd Bowles, man. You know Todd Bowles. He's, he's a great defensive mind. Yeah, I love the combo of Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. I mean, that's just yeah, – that that worked well out here in Arizona for years, and I believe it's going to work very well in Tampa this year. So It works very well when you have players, man. They have good players all over the field, dude. Hell yeah, man. Guys, this has been a fun episode. It's been a mammoth. I mean, this has been a draft bonanza. We had the pregame. We have the postgame. We have the intermission. So we're bringing all the information to everybody as uh, fast as we possibly can. And before we close it out, little Thursday night football preview. I mean, guys, we are finally here. It's TNF. I mean, I'm fired up for this season opener. You got Houston at Kansas City. A lot of big names. You know, I can go ahead and tell you guys this. It's safe to assume that Patrick Mahomes will be in my starting lineup Thursday night. And Brad, I just noticed me and you actually have a matchup in week one. What do you think about that, bro? I think you're going down. But, I mean, if that's what you really want me to say, I mean, I think I'm going to beat you handsomely, but I'm all telling that. (laughs) But I will say this about the game, especially for Thursday night. I think that game's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Houston, people have dogged them. They've counted them out. But like any NFL team, you've had all year to prepare for this one game. J.J. Watt was injured last year. He's going to come out fired up, and he's their general. He's going to come, and I think they're going to kind of get after that offense a little. But in the end, the Chiefs will win. They'll put up like 30, some 35 points or so, 38, and they'll eventually win. But I do think that they'll give up some points, and it'll be a lot, lot more interesting of a game than people like normally see on a Thursday. You want to do a score? Yeah, just initially I was thinking 38-27 Chiefs. Mm, okay, they stretch it out at the end. Okay. You think they keep it close, though? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it should be fiery. It should be awesome, man. That's a great way to start the fantasy season, right? (laughs) No joke. Like, good game to have Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, the fired-up offenses. It should be great. should be a good start to the season, man. I think our plan is to record that night for you guys again. Uh, So we'll give you a little bit of live action out of the the game, kind of, and then – We'll give you a preview of um, all the games coming up. Isn't that right? Yeah, man, that is the plan. And uh, before we switch off that game, though, I wanted to mention, you know, last year, don't forget in the playoffs, I mean, Houston got out to a 24 to nothing lead in Arrowhead in the second quarter, man. I mean, they they were thinking on their sideline, yo, we got this. We're going to the conference finals. Like, this is happening until Pat Mahomes just staged an insane comeback. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just throw for like five touchdowns in the second quarter. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree that in that game, if you start to really think about mindset and motivation factors, uh-huh. um, think about Houston coming in stewing on that loss, man. All offseason, I think they're going to be fired up. But yeah, you look at that game, 51-31 last year, they end up losing that game. Okay, That's- tough, tough loss, man. But the year before... Guess what? Houston goes into Kansas City, into Kansas City late in the year and wins 31-24. So don't get me wrong. I've I've dogged on Bill O'Brien, but uh, I would say the guy is a good coach. He's not a good GM. He's a good coach, though. So should be exciting, man. The line is Kansas City minus nine. Oh, wow. That's big. Over under of a 54 and a half. All right, guys. Well, that's been uh, it's been real, man. A draft bonanza uh, season one in the books. 
had some fun with it, and uh, it's time to close it out, guys. And for everybody listening, we're glad you're following along. Hit us up on the social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, follow us on both of those social media channels, podcast platforms. We're on just about all of them. Search up the Organic Football Podcast, and we will fill your ears with joy, no doubt. So, guys, it's been fun, and let's close it out right there. Catch us next time on the Organic Football Podcast. Late. Hasta luego. Smoke a blunt.